When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. everybody to wrestling omakase it is episode number 112 and this week i'm very pleased to be joined by returning guest tj hello tj hey what's up john what's up it's been like what a full year since you've been on i think i was going for the 2018 year in review i think or not year in review like the matches of the year oh right 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 okay so sounds like january i think I'm very bad, as we've learned over the past few weeks, at remembering when people are on now. I used to remember pretty well, but we've now, I guess sometime around the time we had 100 episodes, it's like all a fucking blur now <laughs> in, yeah. you know, in my brain. So I couldn't remember if you already. So you've already earned your 2019 Omakase Awards ballot. You're very prestigious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Omakase Awards. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that that's all coming up again, awards season and you know, year interview season, so that's exciting, I guess. But still the end of September, so maybe a little bit early to start thinking well, about it. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, what have you been up to since you've been on? It's January's a long time, so. Uh, not a whole lot. I went to Mania Weekend. I think I saw you there at the Stardom Show for like a uh, second uh, while we were waiting in line at Hana's <laughs> line. Oh, did I talk to you or no? I can't remember. Uh. I think we talked for like a second, not okay. really. But I, I will be, I'm not. I am not trying to sound big time here. But like, I talked to so many people that fucking weekend. <laughs> like anyone on earth could tell me, John, I talked to you for two seconds at Mania Weekend, and I'd be like, Yeah, sure, I, that checks out. That's fine. But, yeah, I think we talked then, for like a second while we were. <laughs> everyone was like crowding in line to get in line for Hana. And then I had a, like a bunch of people like tweeted at me. I, I guess enough people know what I look like, too. To, like A bunch of people tweeted at me afterwards, like, oh, I saw you, and I wanted to say hi, but I didn't. And I'm like, well, that's... First of all, that's kind of weird. 
that you know what I look like. And I, I shouldn't say weird, but like they like you told me that it's just like, well, now in my head I'm just gonna think I met you because <laughs> you told me like you wanted to meet me. Look, I am just I'm gonna be honest with you, fair listener, and this might come up in a second for a topic, but if you see me at any wrestling show or Mania Weekend, I'm just some asshole. I'm just some fucking fat fan like everybody else you are more than welcome to say hello to me i don't i don't care i'm not one of these people that finds it weird at all and you don't have to be like intimidated once in a while since i started doing this podcast like people come up to me and they actually like sound you know like it's some kind of fucking honor to meet me and i'm just like no i am an idiot okay (laughs) you should not be excited to meet me it's very disappointing actually but no uh (laughs) thank you to everybody that that says hi i really appreciate it i'm i'm playing around right here that is actually a great transition though although you you have your whole rest of year what else have you done other mania weekend you must have done some more stuff i made Uh, that all about me i'm very sorry as far as wrestling i went to uh, tournament of survival for gcw in june oh that sounds awesome oh yeah that, that show was great live got to see uh yeah uh, who was it uh Sakuda was there and kodaka yeah he was there yeah yeah when was uh oh god now, now i'm blanking on the name mr gun uh, you know the cop ex-cop uh, uh, we're both gonna gonna not remember his name right now. Not Masaya Takahashi, but his partner. I'm blanking on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm blanking on it too. We're both exposed fake Pyro boys. No, um, but yeah, I thought I thought he was there. Maybe that was last year. No, those two were the only two Japanese guys there. I'm pretty sure. Okay. But yeah, I'm, I went to that. I'm looking up his name. I'm looking up this man's name because I'm so fucking annoyed. But keep going. Sorry. Anything else? Oh, Taki Ueki. How are we? How are we both so stupid? Oh yeah, Taki Ueki. Yeah, he was last year, I think. Yeah. Takeda yeah, was there, you. I think, too, last year. Yeah. But yeah, I went to that. I went. I just got back from Bloodsport last weekend. That was a fun show live. Oh. So so you went up to Atlantic City for that? Yeah, they're both at Atlantic City. Yeah. So where, how is, uh, oh yeah, duh, I'm thinking Tournament Survival last year was in Chicago or something, right? Yeah, I think so. To, yeah. But yeah, so um, how was Bloodsport? Was that cool? Yeah, it was really fun live. It was a great crowd. I'm not sure how it came across on video. I've seen a lot of mixed things about the show. I mean, I like pretty much everything on it, but it's live, so you kind of get that live bump. I always forget you're like almost a local to me. So are you going to Philly this weekend? Yeah, I'll be in Philly. Okay. So, but not not New York. I'm assuming. No. Okay. Um, but I'll be at both, which actually is now a great transition. So, I totally fucking spaced on this last week. I was supposed to plug this, but we, along with the Super J Cast, uh, I helped put together a small meetup for the New York City show. So, uh, I picked out a bar I really like. So, let me, I'm going to tell a funny. Uh, I don't know. If there's a fun, qualified as a funny story, but a story. My friend, it's, it's like a non-wrestling fan friend, totally. has nothing to do with wrestling. It's his birthday on Saturday. So I was like, ah, uh, fuck, how am I going to make this work? But he was nice enough to basically let me, I mean, like, he was going to have his birthday party at this fucking bar that's very close to Hammerstein. So I'm just like, 
it's okay if some wrestling weirdos come <laughs> to this bar at the same time so we can do also like a meetup. And he is a very sweet man. Shout out to Dan, who will never, ever hear this. <laughs> but but uh, he was like, sure, that's totally fine. So you can come to Dan's birthday party slash the Super J cast slash Wrestling Omakase meetup at Pioneer's Bar, 3 p.m. on Saturday in New York City. Uh, it is at 138 West 29th Street. It's like right between 7th and 6th Avenue on 29th. Um, I'll be there. Quinlan will be there. You may have heard it a million times on the show. Uh, I, I assume Damon will be there from the Super J cast unless he's ditching me. Um, I think he plugged it, though, so I assume he's going to come. Um, but it's, it's a great location. It's like five minutes, uh, like a five-minute walk from Penn Station if you're coming into the city. It should be like a 10-minute walk to the venue, so we'll be very close to Hammerstein. You know, if people want to decamp, I figure I'm going to go to Hammerstein like around 6. If people want to decamp earlier, that's totally cool too. Um, it's like a big giant lounge area, so I'm not worried about like, you know, a lack of space if people actually do show up. Um, but yeah, so that's what we're doing. And, you know, free popcorn too, which is kind of cool, I guess. And the, the beers are the beers and drinks are very expensive, but it's New York. What are you gonna do? I mean, they're not gonna. It's not like meat. It's not like fucking, uh, you know, the meat district or anything. What the fuck it's called? But it's still, you know, it's more. If you're coming from like Virginia or something, the drinks will be expensive. Um, but yeah, 3 p.m. on Saturday. If you want to come, say hi. You know, you know, hang out for a little while. I probably bring, bring like some embarrassing anime made card game or something. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, and then the other thing is the Super J cast one that had nothing to do with playing this. This is not any of my friends' birthdays. It's just a it's just a Super J cast gathering that Damon did all the planning for this one. Uh, that's Sunday in Philly. So they will be at something called Tollman Joe's, uh, 26 East Oregon Avenue, on Sunday around noon before New Japan that day, the 2300 Arena. Apparently it's very close, and he says there's, he says there's even going to be drink specials and trivia with prizes. Sounds pretty cool. So that one's on Sunday. If you're going to Philly, I will be at that one as well. Unless uh, I don't know, unless I change my mind, I guess. But New York for sure, I'll be there. Philly, I like ninety five percent, I'll be there. So if you're going to New Japan this weekend, come say hi. Yes, yeah, uh, the other thing to be, I should put. Yeah, say I'm planning to oh, be in ahead, Philly. Sorry. Hopefully, like at the right, meetup, awesome. hopefully. So I will talk to you for longer than a second this yeah. time. <laughs> so that's cool. Uh, I don't know who else is going to either one. I haven't really seen it. I think some, a bunch of people on my Twitter, I think, said they're going to something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> something or other. So we'll see. Um, in the meantime, that the other thing I need to plug is the same thing I plugged last week, which is the Wrestling Omakase on Red Circle. Uh, the donate button. If you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy me making an idiot out of myself every goddamn week, definitely see if you can find it in your heart to drop us a few dimes. You can do that at redcircle.com slash shows slash wrestling dash omakase. So that's wrestling dash omakase, a physical dash i don't know what not the word dash i guess is what i'm saying um and as i mentioned last week if you do donate you know the week you donate the guests that week will get a cut of the proceedings 
telling now, TJ, not to get your hopes up, but <laughs> if somebody, if one of our thousands of listeners, because amazingly this show does have thousands of listeners, I don't know how that's possible, but it does, <laughs> if one of our thousands of listeners finds it in their heart to share us some money with us, um, you know, I definitely will cut you in, TJ. You'll get a taste. So there you go. Uh, five to, whole dollars, probably. Yeah, so I have to work hard then. Uh, in the meantime, that's all the plugs out of the way. Let's get into. Uh, actually, before I get into the wrestling, TJ, have you ever seen the show that time I got reincarnated as a slime? I keep meaning to. I I usually like pick like one show a season, <laughs> and then I try to follow it, and don't always succeed. I wanted to do some anime talk here before we get into the wrestling. And so I don't know what the fuck was wrong with me and uh, my girlfriend, Nicole. We watched like the first eight episodes. I would have thought it was even more than that, actually. But we found out it was eight and stopped for a long time for no reason. I guess to rewatch all of all 200 episodes of Sailor Moon or something. <laughs> but like we just were like, hey, we never finished the show. And it was really good. And we restarted it. And if anything, like from where I we've watched like episodes nine through 12 now, which this, this show is old fucking news, folks. Like, this is, like, six months ago it ended, I think. But we've watched, like, 9 through 12, and I just wanted to say for anyone listening to this who likes anime at all, definitely watch. <laughs> watch watch Slimu. It's so good. Um, if anything, it like, act, I like the first eight episodes, but the last, like, four have been, like, even better. And just once the, once the ogres come into the picture, which... You know, it was like a, like a race on the show, basically, mm-hmm. like a group of characters. They they really add a lot to the show. So definitely check that out, um, especially if you like, because um, it's very obviously based around a lot of Japanese RPG tropes. So if you grew up playing those, I think you will really, really, really dig the show. If you didn't grow up playing those, I don't think you'll, I mean, I still think you'll dig the show because the show's really good. But if you are like a, you know, an old school JRPG player, I think you'll really enjoy it, so... What have you been watching? So you picked one show a season. Give me your anime pick of the week. Right now, I'm uh, watching Doctor Stone. Uh, I'm, I, everybody keeps telling me to start it. I haven't, I haven't done it yet. I watched like five episodes, and then I dropped it for like a month, and then I just caught like back up entirely this weekend. And my only gripe with it is some of the character designs are weird. Well, a majority of them, but it's a pretty old series being rebooted. So I'm not. I can't really blame them for that. How 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 old is it? I think it's like the '80s. Let me look it up. Oh, oh wow, it's like another JoJo's. Uh, um, I haven't seen. I really haven't seen anything from this season, the summer season. I I should go. There's some stuff that looked cool, but I just never watched anything. Um, obviously the fall. I think like every like every other even like quasi weeaboo on earth, I'm gonna watch My Hero Academia. I don't really know anyone who's not. Are you not? Are you my? Are you like the one person not watching My Hero Academia? No, I'm not watching it. Oh wow! I watched like I started reading the manga for a little bit, but I just I can't keep up reading manga anymore. I try. Like I started. I I the anime is so much better than the manga. (laughs) <laughs> for the for academia there's some there's some shows where that's not the case but like the manga can't even like the anime is just so well done that i just the manga's not even close but and also apparently i'm a liar because dr stone's been around since 2017 it just looks oh. like an older style <laughs> i think okay. i'm thinking about something so else 
Um, but, but yeah, the my, style is look. It looks old. Like it has a kind of stylized look of like the eighties, nineties. Well, it looks like it looks like JoJo's. I mean, that's why when you said that, I was like, okay, I definitely see the resemblance. So maybe that was just the art style at the time. But now apparently they're just ripping off JoJo's Bizarre Adventure with their character designs, which I guess there's better. There's worse things to rip off. So. Mm-hmm. And I need to I need to watch JoJo too. I started yeah, like the first I, three episodes of that, like the most recent one, and I just never dropped or never picked it back up. Well, we're both bad at that because I I I think I'm I'm further ahead of the map at like eight episodes or something. Everybody keeps telling me like you have to get through the first part, the second, and everything else is so much better. But I'm like I need I just the first part did not grab me at all. Mm-hmm. Well, at least I'm caught up in the manga for that, or at least most close enough. I mean part eight and that was part five for the anime that just came out that's like the one manga i'm you, trying you to no- keep up with you ever notice like uh, the anime fans really have no problem telling you some like crazy shit like yeah one piece is great you just have to get 400 episodes in and then it's like the best shit ever <laughs> it's like they just don't they're just like yeah 400 episodes I'm, I'm barely exaggerating like, you yeah. will hear people say, like, hundreds of episodes or, like, 50 episodes, then it's great. I'm like, well, I don't want to sit through 50 episodes of it being bad. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, but it's people, like, they'll tell you, oh, get, get to this arc and it'll be good. And it's, like, 500 episodes in. <laughs> but we watch, like, undercard tags. So I guess it's the same, it's the same shit. But, you know. Uh, all right. So anime talk, I guess, is over. Let's get into some wrestling. Uh, starting with, we'll start with New Japan. We're going to talk New Japan and All Japan and um, Stardom today. So pretty much in that order, you know. Uh, New Japan, obviously, like the most casual thing I would say. And then, you know, we'll, the I have faith that the Joshi people will last all the way to the end. So, or they'll just skip out all this stupid male wrestling talk, whatever. Um, let's start with Destruction in Kobe from September twenty second, this past Sunday. At Kobe World Hall, it did a announced attendance of 61-48, no vacancy, um, slightly behind last year, which was uh, 64, I just had it in front of me, 64-54. That was Tanahashi Kushida, or Tanahashi Kushida, Tanahashi and Okada on top for the contract with Kushida and Bushi in the semi-main. Um, this one obviously was Naito J. White in the main with Goto uh, and Shingo in the semi main. So, you know, 300 fans, not really something I would worry too much about. You know, maybe you could say coming back with Naito White that quickly, maybe if you want to like really quibble with the draw. But also, you have to remember like Okada Tanahashi is like a, that's like a legendary match. And it was done outside of Tokyo like so rarely that I'm not really surprised it drew better than this. I mean, you're talking the, they did it at Dontaku that year. And then other than that, I think the only time they might have taken that outside of Tokyo was like that one year they, they met at Dominion, right? Can you think of any other ones? Uh, I don't think so. Though I it is because all the other ones, like, like, oh, well, the first one. Now I think about it, the new beginning. But, oh, you guys, sorry, you're going to say something. Well, I was going to say, they did, didn't they do Okada and Tana a lot that year too? I know they it, did, but they it was, okay, it was outside. They really, of, mm-hmm. Yeah, they really did outside of Tokyo. 
So, because like obviously all those sumo hall matches would have been Tokyo. I'm just gonna look it up because I'm curious. Let's see. Okada Tanahashi. The first one was uh, well, that doesn't count. That's fucking. He was a young lion. The first one was in Osaka, and the, the first two actually, because that was the Dominion match too in 2012. But then the next, wow, the next seven in a row were all in Tokyo, because you have the Tokyo Dome in 2013, uh, Invasion Attack, uh, the Rio T1, and King of Pro Wrestling all in 2013. That's all Sumo Hall. Then you have the Tokyo Dome 2015. Then you have the Dome again 2016. And then you have the G1 2016. And then finally, they go to uh, Fukuoka last year in May for Dontaku was the first time it was outside of Tokyo in six years. So you're talking about the second time it's been outside of Tokyo in six years. I mean, that is kind of a big deal, I think. So, um, you know, six and a half years. I think that maybe it would have been done even better if they... Well, they said no vacancy, so I don't know. I mean, it is also like how much could they fit into Kobe Warhol, yeah. you know? I mean, no vacancy usually, you know, means like, well, it's close to sold out. And then super no vacancy is like, it's pretty much sold out. And then super no vacancy full house is like, we we counted every fucking chair. There's no more chairs in the back. The fire inspector's ready to shut us down. So that's basically, I guess, the for, for people who don't know the old school... Uh, Tokyo, the old school Japanese wrestling crowd terms. Isn't there one that's also just like crowded or something? I remember I used to see that back in the day and be like, crowded? <laughs> what does that mean? It's not a full house, but there were people here. It was hard to move in the hallway. <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, but yeah, so not pretty good draw here. The Let's start with the main event because, you know, let's, we'll work our way backwards for once. We never do that in the show and uh, it seems like a good time to do it because there's a lot to talk about this main event. Jay White defeats Tetsuya Naito in 29-47 with the Blade Runner to become the new Intercontinental Champion. I guess, first of all, TJ, did you expect this result? I was kind of 50-50. I think it really depended on what they were going to do with Naito post this. Because I think you suggested they could have Naito win here and then do the tournament thing with Mox instead of Jay. But I, I, I could see it either way, because it could have been either Naito and Jay on January 4th, or Naito and Mox. I just didn't know which way they were going to go. So, when you said 50-50, I guess you just felt like almost, like you didn't, did you even have any prediction? Like, I was I was leaning towards Jay, but I wouldn't have been surprised okay. either way. I mean that's how I felt too, and I was I would just say I was leaning towards Naito because I I think I laid out my my scenario. But I if Jay won if basically Jay won this to me it would say, you know they they absolutely want Jay in this double title mix through the dome, and this is really the only way to do it. I mean you can't have him lose and then basically if Naito and Jay is the match on one four for the Intercontinental, you cannot have Knight, Jay White lose here. Yeah, I mean, this is not a compelling story the heel challenging Naito for the IC title on that night. I mean, you, you just, you know, whereas if Naito loses, you have the compelling story of, you know, the guy who started all of this is now like on the outside looking in and, you know, he can't get his way back into it. And, you know, we can talk after we break down the match a little bit about, 
other ways they're already building to that. But it's clear the story is going to be, well, he lost this guy twice already. You know, JY took his dream away. Can he even, like, fight his way back? So, you know, once White wins, it's, it was once White won, it was clear to me that was where they were going. Now, I want to say, before we talk about the actual match, if you watched this match and you thought Jay White winning is the end of Naito's story and he's going into the Rambo, you're fucking stupid. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. You are a moron. You really think, and look, I will give you two scenarios here, okay? By the time, by the time Jay White fucking did the, like, he did Naito's speech at the end, okay? He did the LIJ roll call for Bullet Club in the ring that he did in that promo. If you really think they're going to book that and not be building to a rematch, I mean, you're out of your mind. Like <laughs> You're straight up out of your mind. And I saw this take, and people were like, oh, well, like those done now. Jay's going to the door. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, like, use your brain a little bit. That's all I'm asking here. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's pretty much two possibilities, either – they're building White and Naito on 1-4, or Naito gave his fucking notice. I mean, that's pretty much the only other possibility. But, um, so yeah, I mean, Naito and Jay White, Naito and Jay White is 1-4. Do you disagree, TAJ? Hope I didn't just call you a moron. But you- <laughs> no, I got, I, like, that once Jay won, I knew that was going to, uh, sorry, I knew that's what was going to happen. I'm a little more like I'm waiting until it happens before I go full Naito two belts. That's happening for sure. But I knew yeah. as soon as Jay won this, they were doing the rematch at one four. Yeah, I mean that's a different story. If you want to believe that, if you don't want to believe yet that Naito's going to win both belts, then that's fine. I I mean he's not losing Jay White again. I I don't know. They oh yeah, definitely. Him. I mean. If you want to believe he's going to win and then lose to either Okada or Bushi, I, I get that, especially after what we've all been through as Nitro yeah, fans. But he's, but he's not losing Jay White again. Oh, definitely. I think he's going to win the title back in 1-4, and then we'll find out 1-5. We'll see what Ghetto has planned. Um, as far and, – and look, I don't want to give another thing. We're talking about the booking, too. I try to be fair on this podcast. I fail a lot because, but I think at least my my biases are very, uh, you know, out in the open. You know, I'm a huge fan of seeing Naito. I don't think that's breaking news to anybody. But when people, when I see how some people react to stuff like this, and it's, I want to make it clear, it's not the vast majority of Naito fans, but like a small amount of Naito fans. If your reaction to hearing, you know, to seeing what's happening here is like, Naito is losing too much. It doesn't even matter if he wins at the Dome now. He's never going to have his ace run. That You're the type of Naito fan that people complain about when you do that, okay? I want to make that clear. If your reaction to Naito winning both belts at the Dome is anything other than joyous rapture, like just singing to the fucking high heavens, Holly, you, you know, like, fuck, I can't say that word apparently, singing to the high heavens and being very, very happy, then, you know, if your reaction is anything else, if, if you're still bitter about 2018, if you're, you know, going to say, oh, it's not, it doesn't matter because it didn't happen then, or it doesn't matter unless he holds the belts for a year, I mean, like, get over yourself. Hiroki Goto fans are never getting that moment. He's never winning the IWGP Heavyweight title. You know, Yoshihashi fans are never getting a title win at all, maybe. Let alone yeah, I'll say both it this right. 
I mean, lots of fan bases. Tai Chi fans are, you know, never going to get anything other than a 30-day never rain, maybe. I mean, lots of fan bases are suffering. So, you know, it, it could be a lot worse for Tetsuya Naito than winning both titles in the fucking Tokyo Dome. I don't care how long the actual rain is. I will be happy if that happens. He can lose both belts at fucking New Year's Dash for all I care. If he has this moment in the sun, his moment where he's the first person to do what nobody else can do, I will be happy. And frankly, if you really think about it critically for longer than a second, you will understand that Tetsuya Naito is not the ace and it's not, it would ruin his personality and his character to be the ace. In other words, I'm not saying Naito can't win on the big one. I'm not saying Naito can't, you know, have his moment. He obviously, he obviously should have his moment. I think he will have the dome. But Naito, as like a two-year-long Kobashi title reign, that's not his character. He is LIJ. He is anti-establishment. He is the guy with a chip on his shoulder who people get behind because the company will get behind him. Because they, you know, Naito loses. I mean, look, if you want to be the fan of the guy who wins all the time, the person you're thinking of is Kazuchika Okada, okay? That is the fan, the guy to get behind if you want to win every goddamn big match that you ever get to see. If you want to be that fan, Okada is right there, okay? If that's what you're looking for. Naito fandom is suffering. <laughs> Naito fandom means he's going to lose some big ones, just like he did here. And Naito fandom is he's going to, you know, get knocked down and have to get back up. That's part of – that's, like, built into it. That's part of the appeal. That's part of why people like him, because he's not the guy that's always going to fucking win. The people who want to be fans of the guy that's always going to win have Okada already. They made that choice a long time ago. And you, if you want to say Okada sucks or Okada's not the guy, you know, that's that's a different debate. But here and now, what Naito's role is, is to be the guy who, you know, has to fucking fight back and has to fight from underneath and has to come back now and beat Jay White if you beat him twice. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being the guy who, you know, has to get back to the top, who isn't just on the top all the time, always like starts there, wakes up there, goes to bed there. Again, that's Okada. <laughs> that's that is Okada. That's not why. If Naito was the guy who was always on top, people would react differently. You know, I mean, it's just not. His, it's not. It's not who he is as a character. It's not how he wrestles. It's just not who he is. So, if you're looking for the guy to be dominant, you know, it's not Naito. Um, and you know, just be. And I've I've been very angry in the past about Naito's defeat sometimes. And you know, you could say, if you want to be critical of me, you could say I'd be, I've been too angry. And I do think they... I still think he should have beaten Okada in, at that Dome. And, you know, I think he could have won that G1 last year, but they decided to do the G, the Jericho thing instead, whatever. But, like, he, when I think he should have won at the Dome or the G1 last year or the G1 this year, I, I'm not saying he should have won the Dome and the G1 and the G1. You get what I'm saying? It, it, this makes sense? Like, he's never going to be that guy. He's never going to win everything. And if you're expecting him to win everything, you're in the wrong fandom. I don't know, DJ, do you have anything to say about my little rant there? All I can say is his 2019 booking has been way better than his 2018. His 2019 booking has been better than his 2018 booking. Yes. Last year, he was just doing, he was doing nothing because Jericho had the IC title on ice. And now yeah. he's doing I mean, something. He has a direction to go. 
Whether he actually succeeds or not, we'll find out. But he has a direction, unlike last year. Nico's had an awesome year. Well, I mean, look if you want to if if you want to say like quibble, I, I I don't know. I feel like people are fighting the the battles of the past. You know, mm-hmm. like if you look at Nico's year this year, he beat Jericho at the Dome. Um, he beat Taichi at New Beginning in a in a match that I really liked that some people didn't like. He lost to Ibushi in the first round of the Japan Cup, which set up his big suit for the year. He lost. He did lose to Ibushi again. But then he beat Ibushi at Dominion. He vanquished him at the end. He won the fucking feud, even though he, you know, he didn't win. You know, Ibushi beat him twice. And he only beat him once. Fine. But he won the last match. You win the last match, you you basically win the feud, for at least for the time being. And then he had an awesome G1. And, yeah, he lost to some guys. But, like, he lost to fucking – he lost to Toriano via a roll-up, which so does everybody on the goddamn roster at some point. He lost to Taichi, a guy he already beat, to probably set up another match. He lost to John Moxley, who, like, again, half the roster lost to Moxley, and it's probably a separate other match. And he beat tons of people in that tournament. He beat, you know, he beat Shingo, uh, and, and he beat Goto. He, who the fuck else is in that block? Ichi. Yeah, like, Ichi. I mean, he, the only people he lost to were people to set up matches and stuff like that. And yeah, he lost to Jay White, which really pissed me off at the time, but I didn't know what direction they were going in. So and it's clear the direction they've decided to go in afterwards with this double title stuff. And, you know, yeah, he lost to Jay White again here, but he, it's very fucking clear what the direction is. And it's very clear that he's going to the dome to challenge Jay White for the Intercontinental title. I mean, that is a big spot and he will probably be in the main event of one five, a double title match. Again, a big spot It's a far fucking cry to your point it is a far fucking cry from feuding with a Skype, with a Skype screen. Which is what he basically was feuding with yeah. for the entire like back from June on last year. But I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts on this? As far as I just booking now. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's gonna be fine, people. It's, I mean most. I, I want to be and, and people are gonna think I'm talking to a lot of people. I'm talking like two people in the fucking Super Jcast Discord right now more than anything probably. But I think most people on Twitter, um, you know, have. Like, know what the score is here. And most Naito fans on Twitter are just like, yes, I still believe that Naito's going to win. And the people who, like, I don't know, I saw people going after a room um, and some other folks and, like, being like, how, how can you still believe? And, like, even if you're dumb enough to think that Naito's story is ending at destruction in Kobe, which, by the way, again, you are an idiot if you think that. But even if you're dumb enough to think that, why are you, like, targeting random Naito fans on Twitter? Like, what is that doing for your life? But yeah, I think people just want to beat down on Naito fans whenever they get a chance. That's what it feels like half the time. I mean, I, I will be like I said. I will be. I think I said this in the past. I hope he walks out with both belts just so I can laugh at these people because you fucking like these people fucking deserve to be laughed at. Um, as far as Naito and Jay White, the match itself, which I guess we can finally get to, um, I fucking love this match. It's been a very divisive match. Um, you know, I, I've seen people fucking hate it, which I guess doesn't doesn't surprise me at this point when people hate a 2019 Naito match. But it's also been, like, mo- there's been more positive reviews than I expected at first. Um, I went four and a half stars on it, and I thought that was going to be, like, the highest anyone would go. And then Joel from the Super J cast, like, completely shows me up and goes the full five on it. So... I mean, clearly, I'm I'm not on his level as a Naito fan or something. I mean, it's really like he really loves Jay White right now, which I yeah, I, I think it's the, mostly the Jay White fan. 
I haven't listened to the to the Jcast yet, so I mean, I started it, but I haven't heard the part where he talks about it. But I I, I had that spoiled for me anyway before he re- even recorded. Um, so yeah, so he's he's very high on it. It sounded to me like Dave Meltzer was high on it. We don't know because the Observer's not out yet, but I, I did hear like some of his audio on it, and he sounded like he liked it quite a lot. You know, maybe like not quite like five plus or whatever, but I think he did like it. Um, but like I said, Rich and Joe from the Voice Wrestling flagship didn't seem to like it that much. So it's a very divisive match. I know. Where did you land on this, TJ? Because I saw like conflicting things from you. I went four on it. Oh, okay. Well, like I, I originally went three point seven five, but I bumped it up to a four after thinking about it a little more. Mm-hmm. I think this um, is Jay's um, best performance as a character, like so far since. Adopting the Switchblade character. Yeah. But as far as like the in ring, like, I don't know how to describe it. The match flew by. They went for like the 20 to 25 minute call, and I was like, how? It feels like it's been 10 minutes. So they were working at a fast pace, but it also felt like it was just good up until like 20 minutes. And then the 25 minute mark, when Ghetto cheated, is when it went full sprint, and I loved every second from it, of it from then on. Yeah, um, I, I totally get that critique because if, if I have any critique, it's probably that the first the the Jay White control period was a little bit dull, and that would be like in the first fifteen. I think why I liked it more than you and some other people is I thought like I thought Jay White's character work here was amazing, um, and that really carried a lot of the early portion of the match for me. Um, I just, I like I really enjoy him and Naito's like interplay and like you know White like very early, early in the match White taking a powder. And then when he gets back in the ring, Nitro also taking a powder. Like, I enjoy that kind of stuff. So that stuff mm-hmm. was really, really fun early on. Um, and there was, like, some early, some cool early stuff where Nitro basically, like, out-trolled White, which I thought was very, like, cerebral and very cool. Um, and then when, when by the time Jay got control, it wasn't, it was basically from Gato, like, grabbing his leg from the floor. So then that's where it got a little bit dull for me, and that's, you know, why it's not, like, a above four and a half. But but like they, they managed to keep it interesting for me with all that like, you know, making forcing her to smile stuff. I, I love that. Yeah, um, there was like White like did this transition where he like spun Naito out of a suplex position like into the ropes to do that draping DDT, which I thought was like the smoothest transition I've ever seen into that draping apron DDT uh, ever, probably. So that was really cool. Um, you know, there was like a. Yeah, I'm pretty much just reading my favorite spots right now. But there's like a spot where Jay, I worked on a ton of spots this match, which is probably an indication that I enjoyed it. But uh, Jay, like, he dodged like the Nitro Flying Form in like a face buster and then like hit this huge deadlift German. That was really cool. And here's where like the crowd, you know, if I can see why, if like you're, if you're listening for the crowd and like maybe you might not have it as high because the crowd wasn't as into it as you'd think. I think part of that was because the, the previous match had just been two people basically two bulls colliding. So yeah. I don't totally get why this is like, they need to come down, I guess. But like Naito, when he hit like this big kick, after he looked like he was out, like the, the fans got really, really into it with like a big Naito chant. And then everything after that, like uh, I thought the fans were super into. Um, but yeah, they did like, I like how they did like combination Cabron, but on the apron instead of the corner, which looked really cool. Um, there was like a, all the stuff in the apron was awesome. But like White hit like a face buster, and he tried for a German, like basically putting Naito in the Abushi spot of Dominion, which the crowd was like 
ready to piss their pants at that, <laughs> I felt like. But then he just instead just like drags him down to the apron on the back of his head, which uh, was basically what he also did at the G1s. I guess I should have known the finish right there. Um, and then he like did a pile drive. He tried for a pile drive on the apron. Naito did like a back body drop, and then White just power bombed him on the apron instead. Uh, and then Naito turned the Kiwi Crush into that, that high angle DDT counter movie used really well against Ibushi. Um, but yeah, so there was like a, you know, basically White just like, he he basically just like starts stomping Aneta repeatedly when he counters the Boy Runner, which I thought was a really cool spot. You know, just like very simple, like, you know, if you're not going to go up for my move, I'm just going to beat the shit out of you stuff. And there was like a very, even like the Gato interference spot I thought was very inventive where Gato's on the apron and Naito just like kicks off him to hit the swinging DT. He might have done that before. Now I think about it, but I can't remember if he did, cool. but yeah, I really like that spot a lot. Uh, and then they, and then I thought the the counter sequence with White spinning out of the running Destino and eventually getting a, su- a sleeper suplex uh, after Nico counted the Blade Runner that looks really cool. And those White reversal sequences are very hit or miss for me. Like sometimes they look great, a lot of times they look like shit. And this one I thought looked really good, so that was a um, a point in his favor. Um, but yeah, then I also like when White basically tried to block the Rain Destino again, but Naito basically powered through it. I thought that was awesome. Um, but then I obviously only got a two count. And then I will say, like the when when White hit the Blade Runner, I actually thought Naito was going to kick out for a second. I don't know if he felt the same way too, but it didn't feel like the end. Um, and I and I mean that in a good way. And like you know, it, it felt like they had more to give, even at a thirty minute mark almost. So I think that's probably good for a future match. But yeah, I mean, he hit the Blade Runner one. Uh, just the drama at the end was awesome. And I know I was watching this and spoiled. I thought it could have gone either way, so that all, that really helped. So yeah, I went four and a half. I really loved it. Um, just like a touch below like Naito's best matches of the year, and I think this would be my highest rated J White match of the year because I went four and a quarter on the Ibushi match, and I can't think of anything else that would really touch it. So, uh, but yeah, I'm turning. I I feel like I've turned a corner on White because. Before the Ibushi final, uh, I really wasn't into his G1 at all. But I feel like he, between this match and the Ibushi match, he's really like hitting his stride as far as like both being an entertain, like being an effective heel, and, but also having more entertaining matches, you know, it, within that character in like the New Japan style in the ring. So mm. yeah, it's good. It's good that he's like really, I think, turning a corner there, at least in my opinion. Uh, anything to add about the actual match? Well, I, I think it's worth noting that Gato didn't interfere at all until like 25 minutes into the match. Usually he's in there a lot yeah. quicker. And that's what a lot of people complain about Jay White matches, is that Gato's always there to do something. But he stayed out of it mostly, and a lot of time he's just out on the, on the side, like coaching Jay, telling him what moves to do. Like I think one time he called, like when he did the, went for the Kiwi Crusher, Gato told him to go for it, which I like that. Yeah, he definitely, he definitely did. Yeah, he was screaming Kiwi Crusher. And then also at the beginning, I think it was like maybe like five between like the five ten minute mark. Jay was like he rammed Naito's legs into the the post, and it was just asking like Daijobo Deska asking him if he's okay, and he's like taunting <laughs> Naito the whole time. He taunted Kevin Kelly a couple times, so I really liked a lot of the his character work in that, and I. I hope he does bring more into taunting them in Japanese. Like I, I really like that. Yeah, it's good. I thought it was a good like heel move. 
Uh, it reminds me when like when Higuchi like crashed in my lap during the DDT uh, Mania Weekend show. I did, I did ask him the same thing. I said Daijofu this guy, <laughs> and he was like, "No, Daijofu." <laughs> he got up, but. Uh, but yeah, so awesome match. You were a little bit lower out than me, but still four stars. And you know, I think I'm the matches have gotten better each time for me. I went three and a quarter, three and three quarters on the three and three quarters to be quick. I almost said three and a quarter, three and three quarters in the G1 match, and now four and a half here. Which which one did you like better, by the way? The G1 one or this one? Like, I, I went three and three quarters on the G1 match too, so I like this one a little bit more. I think. I liked the actual in-ring of the first match, but the character work was way better in this one. And then maybe, hopefully, they can have an even better match on 1-4. So, yeah, I'm excited for that. Uh, after the match, of course, Hiroki Goto came out the challenge, which I marked out for. I, I'm like, I was very excited to see Goto. I'm not gonna, and Jay White was so mad that it was great. He was just like, no! He's like, just screaming, no! <laughs> I think he might. I don't remember what else he said, but he was like so angry. But his post match uh, was really great. Yeah, and then Goto like lays him out with the forearm. So it's going to be Goto and White. Uh, probably it looks like a power struggle since they announced King of Pro Wrestling, uh, and they're in a tag match there too. So Goto White for the IC a power struggle is a that is a ballsy main event for power struggle. They're basically like, yeah. you will come no matter what to Idion Arena, and we know it. <laughs> basically, what they're saying. Yeah, because didn't they like not big draw really poorly the last time they made Venice with that? I don't. Was it really poorly? Let's say I can't remember. I think it was like a little, a little like not great. But I don't know if you might be right. Maybe really poorly. So let's look it up. Um, in the meantime, while I do that, uh, that uh, the other match I think we're gonna get at Power Struggle is Naito and ZSJ. Do you agree? I think we're gonna get Naito and Taichi. Hmm. No, well, that could be the case too. Because um, ZSJ and Taichi are both in the match at at at, uh, at King of Wrestling. Oh, I didn't even think about that. And yeah. plus, uh, t- um, well, um, I was I was listening to Super J Cast earlier today, and they were talking about the Road Two shows, and Taichi and Naito are paired up a lot on that. But Shingo's also in that, so maybe That's they're going to do Shingo and Taichi. I don't know. And Zach isn't there on the Road Two, so I don't know if that really means anything. Um, that's what I would say. And then also, I think so, I was watching a video that Taichi was do, like they posted on the New Japan, like the Japanese Twitter, and Taichi was talking about. I think it was before Kobe, and he it almost sounded like yeah. he was going to try and challenge Naito. I guess if you if Naito retained. Okay, so Hino Kuni to answer the question from before: What Goto White did twenty seven oh two, which was down from the tw- Hino Kuni twenty eighteen, which did thirty four thirty five. But Hinokuni 2018 was Naito Suzuki. So I don't even though that wasn't a good match, really, that was still, you know, a big match as far as like two drawing people. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know if you can really read too much into a 700 fan drop. The thing is with this Osaka show now is they sell it out like without doing anything usually. So maybe they just, they're taking it for granted now. And that's why they're moving New Beginning uh, from Idion Arena into the, um, you know, into Osaka Joe Hall next February, the same place where the Dominion takes place every year because, you know, the Indian Arena is like 6,000 fans or whatever, and they've been selling it out very quickly of late. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, as far as, you know, what we might get there, so I, it, it's fair to say White Goto for the IC and then Naito 
and ZSJ or Naito Taichi or something. Basically, some kind of match where Naito has to earn his way yeah. back to a IC title match, I think seems very likely. It's like a semi main. Um, we'll talk more about future cards after this, but I just wanted to point that out. Uh, the semi main, Hiroki Goto and Shingo Takagi. Goto defeating Shingo in 2027 with the GTR. Why don't you go first this time, since I talked forever for Naito and Jay White. What did you think of Goto and Shingo? Uh, I went 4.5 on it, which was the same rating I gave their G1 match. I like this. I like the G1 match slightly better. I'm not sure the time differences on those, but if, this one felt a little bit longer. But It was like five minutes longer. I thought it was five. Okay. Like the first ten minutes of this was good, and then the like the second ten was really great. Or from then on, but first I just want to say, why is Goto still wearing that G one shirt? It's like, did he forget? It's not I, the I G1. know. It's awesome. I don't remember who said this. I think it might have been Andrew Rich, but it's like it, it's seriously like if a if like a fucking championship team. You know how the okay, let's say it's the Kings and the Rangers in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, and the Rangers lose, they'll have like Rangers Stanley Cup winner merch printed up already. They send to fucking Africa or whatever. It'd be like the Rangers wore those shirts the next year, even though they didn't win the fucking Stanley Cup. But, Yo, like the G one does not stand for Goto, apparently. You lost, buddy. Yeah, I, I just, I, as soon as like, he came out with that shirt on, I just started laughing. But um, it is really funny. Uh, um. I like the video package before this too. I wasn't like fully paying attention because yeah, the video. Yeah, I was just gonna say the video package basically seemed to stress that these two are both like very Japanese. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and like I wasn't paying fully attention because, but because I, I wasn't trying to listen to Japanese. And like I think it was like I didn't watch it like live live, but I watched it like I woke up at like eight I think or like seven or eight and woke, like watched it as soon as it was up. And that early in the morning, I didn't feel like actually like trying to listen for the Japanese. But Goto said something about like not making light of him now that Shingo's a heavyweight, basically saying, "Don't just because you're a heavyweight, don't underestimate me because you already beat me." But then Shingo dominated most of the match. It felt like so that that was kind of funny yeah. to me. But yeah, I say I don't really have a whole lot to say about it other than I just I loved it. Really hard hitting. Shingo, I feel like Shingo could have a great match with just about anybody. And I mean, Goto held his own too. I got to give him credit for that. Like a lot of the GTRs he hit were really, like, really brutal looking. And I can't say I'm surprised about the finish, especially now that I know the he that uh, he's challenging Jay. But I almost felt like Shingo might win it because a lot of people were thinking this was a never title, basically a never title number one contendership match. And not an IC. But I think it's good Shingo got the win back. Shingo, like, or that Goto got the win back. Shingo doesn't need to be, like, in singles contention right now to me. Yeah. So I'd rather they cool him down a little bit until they actually have something for him to do. Because he'll probably be slotted into the never situation. But him versus Kenta isn't something I see them doing for a while, if anytime soon. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, probably not till after the Dome. Of yeah, after the Dome, yeah. Um, what I would say, yeah, I mean, I went four and a half on this. So, I again, I loved it. And obviously, any show with two four and a half star matches is going to be a good show. 
Um, what I thought of this, I, I had it like a quarter star above the Budokan match. I went four and a quarter on that one. So I, this, I just thought this match was just a little bit better. But like, you know, obviously the two of them just beating the shit out of each other here. You know, I'm always going to be a huge mark for Lariat exchanges, and there were like a million of them here. And I thought all that stuff with Shingo stealing Goto's moves, like really add like an extra dimension to the match mm-hmm. and almost made it like very, uh, very cathartic, I guess, when Goto would finally hit, um, you know, his big moves and, you know, finally be, you know, be able to hit the Shotenkai and all that. Like basically just, it felt like he was taking his moves back from this bully or something. Um, Shingo did like a rope assisted GTR, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. I, I, I wish the camera out. had caught in that better. Like, it was like uh, a weird angle where they shot it. You didn't get to see the full thing. I wish they had caught that better. Um, but yeah, so like this, I just I thought this was awesome. I'm glad Goto won. You know, people give Goto too much shit. Like, it's not the guy's fault. He's not IWGP champion. I mean, calling him a geek and stuff, it's like a little too far. He's held like every goddamn other belt in this company. Come on, he's not a he's not Yoshi. People talk about like talk about him like he's fucking Yoshihashi or something. I'm like, mm-hmm. let's pump the brakes a little bit. It's go. It's still it's Hiroki Goto. He's he's a very good wrestler most of the time, and he's won plenty of shit. Anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna be my it's gonna be one of my brands from now on is Hiroki Goto Defender. <laughs> but I just don't know why people are so. It feels like people are like super hard on him, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, there's plenty of other wrestlers from, like, every era that don't win the big title in Japan. This is not fucking everybody gets a turn title booking. So, you know, I don't know. It's just, like, one of those things where I'm, I'm, I'm waiting all this time for Naito to win the belt back finally. But at least he's he's won the belt once. I mean, mm-hmm. like, and that should tell you how hard this fucking belt is to win that, like, people are desperate for him to win this title. And he's already held it, technically, just even though it was only for, like, 45 days. But I mean, look. I mean, Ishii fans are never going to see him win the title, doesn't? And they want to put him in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. People are very, people are very hard on Goto. That's all I'm saying. Uh, the third from the top match: Okada, Ibushi, and Robbie Eagles defeated by Sonata, Ibushi, and Bushi in 1350 when Sonata submitted Robbie Eagles at the skull end. Uh, this was pretty good. I went three and a quarter. Um, you know, I thought the Okada and Sonata, you know, they had, they had to me had some very flat exchanges leading on this tour before this match. I thought this was their probably their best and most exciting. Not probably actually, it was their mo- their best and most exciting exchange of the tour. Um, you know, they finally looked like they had some fire in there. Um, you know, it's not a big deal that the some other the exchanges early in the tour weren't. You know, maybe the the biggest, the most exciting. Because they had more time than everybody else to build up their match, so, so I guess it's fine. Uh, as long as it, things continue being exciting from here, you know, hopefully we get a little bit of momentum heading into King of Four Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, any thoughts on this one? Uh, not a whole lot, really. I di- I didn't watch a lot of the undercards up until this show, but yeah, so, I mean, it, it pretty much what you expected it to be. The only thing was. Um, Okada missing that drop kick while like Sonata was doing the spin on Eagles, I think. Like, yeah. that, that was kind of awkward. Then he just got up and did it again. And then after <laughs> the match, he kept trying to hit drop kicks. Like I think the post match angle with that, uh, Ibushi and Evil did better than Okada Sonata did building their match. 
Yeah. Uh, then we had Chaos, uh, Shoyo, Will Ospreay, Yoshihashi, and Tomiho Ishii defeating Kenta, G.O.D., Ishimori, and Phantasmo, 940. Yo pitting Tonga lower with a roll-up. He had already pinned Tamatanga, so now he's pinned both of them. Uh, of course, we'll talk about that in a little bit, about what, why they're doing that. But the in addition to building a Yopungi 3K G.O.D. match, Kenta went hard after Yoshihashi, so that, that well, I mean, at the time, appeared to be a direction for the Never title, and now we know it is a direction. So uh, we can talk about that more when we get to the Flames Grid Unleashed preview, I guess. This match itself, again, three and a quarter. I thought it was pretty fun by the end, but, uh, you know, not a ton to say about it. Yeah, so once the juniors got in, it felt like the match, like, entered, like, double speed. They were going all out on that. And I found it kind of funny. I think G.O.D. was trying to hit the magic killer. I think it was on Yo, and they did it from the hip for some reason, like, because he was too short, I guess. But then they, <laughs> when they went to do it on show, they did a normal one. So I, I, just, I just thought that was funny. And then after the match, uh, Osprey like running after ELP, and ELP just like jumped off the stage. Like it almost looked like he fell off. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that gave me a laugh. But yeah, the match was good. I think I went like three on it. Match number five, not really a match, more like an angle. It was Zach, Suzuki, Kanemaru, and Doki against Tanahashi, Liger, Tiger Mask, and Rocky Romero. Only won 310 before DQ. We found out later Suzuki Goon won this by DQ, which I don't know why, but that was like just really hilarious to me. It's like, when's the last time Suzuki Goon won a match by DQ? <laughs> yeah. It's like, that might be the first fucking DQ victory in New Japan history. Uh, as far as obviously the big angle was Jushin Liger, rip it off the mask and go in Kishin Liger. So, what do you have to say about Kishin Liger? Uh, I, I went crazy when that happened. I I was watching this unspoiled, so I'm so happy I did. Usually I don't mind spoilers, but this I'm really happy I went unspoiled in this. And like I, yeah, I was man, unspoiled. Kishin went. I was unspoiled too. Was... He he just looked oh, so he looked terrifying. <laughs> yeah, he looked awesome, and like just not knowing that was coming, but then immediately knowing what it was, it was mm. like. It's just so cool, and then he he blows the mist in, in Suzuki's face and the refs, which was mm-hmm. like so great. Yeah. And man, if he if he had messed that up at all, he would have like straight up stabbed Suzuki with that thing. Like he, <laughs> he wasn't even he didn't care. He was like, "I'm coming for you. You got to move. If not, you're you're just gonna get hit." That <laughs> thing would right uh, through the table. Like he was putting some force behind that. Yeah, it's like, buddy, you're about to die. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so obviously cannot wait for their match, and we'll see if that's the end at King of Four Wrestling. I kind of have my doubts. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, then we have Bad Luck Fale, Uchiro Takahashi, and Chase Owens defeating Togi Makabe, Tomoyaki Honma, and Toa Hanare in eight twenty two. Chase pinning Hanare at the package pile driver. This was two stars. Felt like it was about a hundred years long. Nothing really wrong with it, but nothing much good about it either. Yeah, when I was, I tried to take a little bit of notes, and literally all I wrote was, "This happened." <laughs> this was like, a thing. It was like Why it wasn't it? bad or anything, but it was just it was just there. Like, what do you, what's yeah. there to say about it? <laughs> I mean, this was like the ultimate. Okay, you guys are all uh, key, valued members of the roster. We don't have anything for you, so here's this. Uh, think, match three. Um, 
Well, sorry, I think backstage after this, they announced that Chase and Fale were going to be a team for World Tag League. Yeah. I'll give it so, a round of applause. All right. Excited for Chase that. Yeah, very exciting. I mean, look, the World Tag is going to be really weird this year because they lost like half the fucking field. Yeah, they missed like eight teams, I think. Yeah. More than half the field. Yeah, like a, almost all of the field. Let's just, I don't want to go through it because I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. I know it's a lot of teams. Because now that we have, in celebration of having our first ever, our first our first World Tag League entry of the year. So the World Tag League 2018, if you remember, that this is where they did the one block thing, um, mm-hmm. which I thought, I thought was really cool, actually. I thought it made it the, the most exciting World Tag League in a long, long time. But let's see. Gorillas of Destiny, they're still here. It's not an evil, they're still here. Uh, Ishii and Yano are still here, but I don't think that's going to be the team because yeah, Yano team. teams with Makabe now a lot for the and they're the number six man champions with Taguchi. Uh, obviously, Lance Archer and Dave Boy Smith Jr. That's not happening. Michael Elgin and Jeff Cobb they they both probably won't be in it. Zach and Taichi, yes, that can still happen. Uh, Juice and David Finley, if Finley gets back in time from his injury, I guess that could happen. But the best friends, no. Uh, turn to TNT if you want to see the best friends, folks. <laughs> Minoru Suzuki and Takashi Izuka, that's not happening. Hangman Page and Yujiro Takahashi, that's not happening. Uh, Tenkoji, that could happen, but they really haven't had that many matches as a team this year. Uh, Makabe and Hanare, that could happen. Yuji Nagata Nakanishi, again, that could happen, but they, they really haven't teamed together that much this year. And finally, Ayato Yoshida, uh, God bless that man. He is stuck in, whatever the, I can never remember what they call kind of 2AW. Yes, and Shoto Umino's in, in the UK now, so mm-hmm. as we're about to talk about. So he's also gone, so they can't even team Umino up with someone else. So that's what, like, uh, we just count real quick. If you can't issue Niano's team, that's not going to happen. That means one, two, three, four, five, six. A minimum seven teams are pretty much not going to happen, or are, like six of them are straight up impossible, and I don't think Ishii Niano's going to happen either. So that's seven teams out of 14, like half the field. So... And a few more, like Ten- Tenkoji and Nagata Naganichi, seem unlikely. So, who knows who the fuck's going to be in World yeah. Tag League? That's the, the big question, I guess. It'll be a fresh tournament, at least. That is true. Uh, the Young Lions Cup Matt tournament that's ended up being the final, as the winner here uh, got, got to, you know, basically we had the most points. Carl Fredericks defeating Shota Umino in 7-17 with the elevated half Boston Crab to win the 12th Young Lion Cup. I thought this was really good. Um, I went three and three quarters. Um, just like a really fast-paced match sequence at the start. Um, the match had like a surprising number of high-impact moves. This huge German suplex from Umino. And then Carl at one point just like grabbed Shota by his tights and like just dragged him back and dumped him right on the back. We just had the backdrop suplex. It was awesome. Um and then Fredericks, I love the way he won too, which just like st- kept stepping on his head for, during the you know to set up the elevated half Boston crabs. So that was great. And there's that great image at the end with Umino like a bloody nose crawling towards Carl holding the trophy while Carl just bows to him. This is awesome. Yeah, say so I went uh, three and a half on it. I I really love the finish, like you said, like Fredericks going for the like half crab and just stomping on showed his head and i liked how Shoda refused any help to get to the back like he was too proud to yeah. get take any help and i did i liked that Shoda started off the match like attacking 
Frederick's injured shoulder. Because they were bringing that up earlier on commentary, saying how he's had the injury basically since the beginning of the tour. But they said it got better, and I feel like Shota thought this and was like, well, it's not going to be better anymore because I'm going to attack that the entire match. But, yes, I really liked it. As far as I kind of wish another of the LA guys won. I know they're high on Fredericks, but I feel like he was not counting Richards. He was the worst one. Not the worst, but the the least impressive of the LA guys during the whole tournament. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really disagree, but he's also like 29, I guess. So they figure they have to like – Yeah, I, I, get, I get why they put it on him. It makes sense. Yeah. Uh before that, we had Clark Connors beating Red Nari Tut in seven twenty-five of the Boston Crab. Uh, so that made Connors four and three, and dropped Nari to five and two. So that eliminated Nari Tut and made the following match between Umino and Fredericks like for all the marbles. Um, I was actually a little disappointed by this. I thought it was uh, you know decent while it lasted, but I just expected more from both guys. I only went two and three quarters. Yeah, it was pretty disappointing. I think the Connors really impressed me a lot this tour, and I yeah. when I saw that. This was going to be like not the final, but based like the semifinals of the thing. I was really hoping for a better match, and it was it was good to me, but it wasn't what I expected it to be. Uh, and then afterwards, after these two matches, we found out that Umino is going to the UK on excursion, and Narita is also going on excursion because he asked Shibata to train him, so he's going to the LA Dojo on excursion. Now, you may notice he's not going to New Japan's supposed American partners, Ring of Honor, but he is going to America. He's going to the LA Dojo. We'll see if he works uh, any any dates for ROH or anybody else. But the LA Dojo guys haven't even been in ROH since May, so I wouldn't hold my breath if I'm a Ring of Honor fan waiting for that Red Narita appearance. Yeah, I'm curious where they're cool going to send him. I mean, like- I assume they're going to work to like defy probably because mm-hmm. that's the la dojo guys have been in defy a couple times since you know in the past like few months i think so that might just be more like just train and maybe try to get bigger and stronger and we're not worried about getting you a ton of dates mm-hmm. but i mean obviously he'll be he'll be like on all the u.s shows just like the la dojo guys are and he's on the, the shows this weekend so he's already starting yeah, we'll talk about that, but some of the matchups he has during the FSCU tour got me excited. And then the opener was Yuji Nagata, Yota Suji, and Yuya Umura defeating Manabu Nakanishi, Alex Coughlin, not Coughlin, everybody. It's Kevin Kevin Kelly in the English commentary was like, he told me it's Coughlin. I'm like, really? This co- the H is just silent then. Okay. Uh, so Alex Coughlin, we all have to get used to that. That and messed Michael me up. Richards, yeah, I was like, Coglin, what the fuck? But yeah, I, I just like, to remember it was Coglin, I just started writing his name without the H in my notes. So mm. uh, I might just do that from now on. Um, but yeah, somebody should tell the Japanese ring announcer, by the way, because he's still saying Coglin. Uh, but yeah, this was a, this was pretty fun. Uh, I went three stars, like a little fun little opener here. Uh, the crowd was very impressed by Urimura body slamming Nakanishi. Uh, Coglin's chops like ruled, and he, I just thought he looked great in general. And then Suchi did the giant swing into the Boston Crab for the win. Fun little opener. Yeah, I I was really impressed by Umura picking up Nakajinchi. I was like, he's not a small guy. Like that was that took some strength. <laughs> but beyond that, yeah, it's yeah. like you said, it was a, it was a fun match, good opener. 
Uh, overall, I mean, hard to call that anything other than a pretty damn good show, especially at those two main events. Um, I think this was probably... I can't remember the last time a Destruction Tour was like actually fun all the way around. This one was was really close. I mean, the only thing I would even point to was like a down show was Beppu. But like, and Beppu was pretty bad. But Kagoshima was pretty damn good again. And then this show was really, was like, you know, very good. And the Corkins were good. And, you know, the Young Lions Cup stuff was good. So with the very low bar of destruction, I'm going to call it a win. Because there was, there have, if you're a newer New Japan fan, folks, there have been some really bad destructions. Like the one, I think, two years ago that had like a, I think it was 2017, had like a Kenny Omega and Juice Robinson U.S. title match main event and like a, uh, oh God, like a, I don't remember what the fuck the other main events were. Like, oh, VSJ and Tana and their, their only bad match, in my opinion, for the Intercontinental title. And there was like one other main event that wasn't really that great. But like, yeah, it was just a very, like a weird and bad tour. So uh, this, you know, this compared to that, this is like great. And I think this is better than last year too. But if you liked Omega Ishii's title match, you might disagree with me. But like, I just, I didn't like that match. So any final destruction thoughts, TJ? Uh, no, it's like you said, it was overall a fine tour. I, I skipped a lot of the undercard for the other tour or the other shows, but still other than the uh, tag title match, I think everything delivered. At least what that was supposed to deliver. Yeah. And then, uh, so now coming up, we got some stuff coming up this weekend, obviously, in the United States of America, the home of a certain, hopefully soon-to-be impeached president. Uh, <laughs> it opens up Friday at the Lowell Memorial. I, I can never, am I saying Lowell correctly? Lowell? Lowell? I don't know. I don't know. Like, I've, heard it tw- I've heard it both ways. <laughs> it's like, look. Other podcasts don't know how to pronounce Japanese city names. We don't know how to pronounce American city names or Japanese city names sometimes, but usually American city names. So I think it's Lowell. Who the fuck knows, though? Uh, it opens up with Carl Fredericks versus Alex Coughlin. Uh, then we have Red Narita against Lance Archer. Oh, my God. Red Narita is going like, to yeah. get killed. <laughs> so that should be awesome actually now i should say this show and philly are look like vod only so who knows when they'll be up uh shockingly we all found out new york city is going to air live on new japan world which they they did not have that on the schedule originally they just announced that out of the blue the other day so it turns out we get one of these shows live after all which i would call a major one uh, yeah i kind of surprised they were going to do that yeah it's like really out of nowhere uh, especially if they didn't they didn't air anything live from the Super J Cup or from New Beginning in US. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just it, it's very surprising. Uh, they didn't do Royal Quest themselves. So they, yeah, very, very, very surprising. Juice Robinson and Mikey Nichols, match three against TJP and Clark Connors. I guess pop in here if you have anything to say about any of these matches. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson against Chase Owens and Jado. So Chase, is, Chase on commentary through his entire tour was blaming Kevin Kelly for the Rock and Rolls as trainers for coming here. And I, actually, I think wasn't it Gibson was his trainer. Somebody was his trainer. Ricky yeah, I think Morton. one of them was. I think Chase, if you're listening, buddy, I'm sorry. You, you literally told me on Twitter once which one was your trainer. Because I said he was a great tag wrestler, or, so, or pretty like a surprisingly great tag wrestler, and he was like, uh, whichever rock and roll guy trained me. I think it's Ricky Morton, but he can 
in the unlikely event he listens to this, he can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but yeah, so he's going to go after his trainers here. Uh, it's kind of exciting, I guess. It's something. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii in Amazing Red. Yes, Amazing Red is on this tour, folks. That's one of the other like little cool like bursts of American flavor. They're taking on Shingo Takagi and Bushi. I hope Shingo does not kill the Amazing Red this <laughs> time. Uh, Hiroki Goto, Yoshihashi, and Rocky Romero against Jay White, Kenta, and Gato. Uh, building up Goto and White and Kenta and Yoshi. Actually, that could be pretty good. And then the semi-main is the IWGP Tag Team Titles, Girls of Destiny against Rapunky 3K. A bit of a weird, a uh, bit of a big surprise to see this title match here. GOD actually mentioned New York, like during their post-match promo at Kobe when they said they would face Rapunky 3K since Yo kept paying them or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, so I don't, I don't know if they had the city wrong or if they had the city right and New Japan changed it afterwards, maybe to try to sell a few extra tickets in Laurel. But like. Because uh, this is like the only show of the three that has like any tickets left, basically. I know Philly has like standing room, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And New York, New York had like not, New York has straight up nothing. Um, yeah, it's like you think they'd want to have know. it on, like in the New York. You think they'd want it on New York because it's going to be the one televised. Yeah, I mean, I guess in their in their opinion, it's like, well, it's going to air eventually, and it's the fucking IWGP tag title, so who cares? But yeah, I, I'd say no chance here of a new team, new champions. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. Any chance? Yeah, it's going to be a good match because I like their. Well, I say oh, I like, I like their ahead. Dallas match, so I think it'll be a good match. But yeah, I don't think there's any chance. Yeah, I like their Dallas match too. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to have a Punky 3K step up to heavyweight before even like having them have singles doing your runs. So, and in the main event, I'm actually pretty like this match looks really cool. Okada, Ibushi, and Tanahashi. Against Sonata, Evil, and Naito. I mean, first of all, I I don't think that match has ever happened because Okada has never, you know, didn't even start teaming up with Sekigun until you know late last year when they did the whole chaos and main army uh, like unification thing. And Ibushi mm. wasn't part of Hontai at the time. Like I, I I use those terms interchangeably. I'm sorry, he wasn't part of the main army at the time. So you know, he was like in that weird elite but I'm not really with the elite thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't think this has ever happened. I don't think the three of them, I don't think the three of them have ever teamed. If they have, I don't think it's against Nitro, Evil, and Sonata. So I don't know. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that's ever happened. And it's just rare to see a six-man tag with, like, no obvious fall guy. Yeah. I don't know. Who, like, I'm, I guess Tana's going to eat the pen. I don't know who else could, really. Yeah. I mean, he pretty much has to, right? Like unless you just want to beat Naito again, but no one else in that match is going to get a pin, get pinned. Yeah, I mean, if it, somebody could get cradled, like Tom, I used to like Tana cradling Naito or something. But I, mean, I could see that. Be, yeah, but I don't know. It's, I mean, look, I'm. I think uh, you know the, the fine people of Massachusetts got a very good main event there. I mean, when I saw that one, I was very jealous. So, you know. The I'd, I'd definitely be excited if I'm going if I was going to that show. It's a little too far for me to go. Uh, like I'm going to the other two though. But yeah, I mean if if I knew that match was going to happen before this week, I may have tried to go. Honestly, <laughs> like that's how good that match looks. Uh, then Saturday, the first of the two shows I am going to at the Hammerstein Ballroom um, at seven o'clock. The as mentioned, this is the only show of the three that's going to air live on New Japan World. So if you're listening and you're not in the Northeast. 
United States, you can still see at least this show, uh, only with Japanese commentary, apparently. I don't know if Kevin Kelly was busy that night or what, but, like, the English commentary will be added later, uh, like what they do with some of the Corkins and stuff. So there will be VOD, and the VOD show that will have English commentary. But, yeah, this will air live only with Japanese commentary. The opening match is Ren Narita against TJP. Is this another one of the Narita matches you're excited for? Uh, this one not so much, but I think it'll, it'll, probably, <laughs> st- it'll, it'll probably still be a good match. Uh, Carl Fredericks against Lance Archer. I'm like I'm actually pretty excited for that one. Mm. I think like they might have some like Carl Fredericks is like taller than you probably think he is, so he'll look bigger against Lance than I think people might expect, and that that could be pretty cool. Uh, then we have Juice Robinson and Mikey Nichols against Clark Connors and Alex Coughlin. Yes, Mikey Nichols. He does still exist. Uh, Rocky Romero, Show and Yo against G.O.D. and Jado. Uh, then we have... Okay, this is the match that actually, absolutely made me lose my shit when they announced this. Tanahashi, Hiroshi Tanahashi, folks, is going to team with the Rock and Roll Express to face Tetsuya Naito, Shingo Takagi, and Bushi. What? <laughs> what? Like this is like the the most what the fuck match. Like this this is this is the kind of match that like I might book in Fire Pro Wrestling. You know, like this is like a fucking Gato for whatever other whatever else false he might have. He is a fucking exploding brain genius for putting this one together. I have to give him his due here. Like this is great. So I cannot wait to see in 2019. I am going to a new Japan Pro Wrestling show in New York City to see Tetsuya Naito and Shingo Takagi fight the Rock and Roll Express. That's really happening. That is so fucking cool. And Tanahashi's going to team with them. I just hope, like, Shingo... Like, someone has to explain to Shingo that, like, they are very old men. <laughs> and, like, their bones... <laughs> their bones might turn to dust if he tries to larry at them as hard as he with other people. But, yeah, I cannot wait for this. Uh, and I think we're definitely getting the triple air guitar too. So I'm very excited. Oh, definitely. Uh, and then the semifinal, another like, uh, not semifinal, third from the top. I, I tweeted this earlier, but like, imagine going back 10 years and telling somebody, uh, you know, in, in 2009, 10 years from now, the amazing red will work third from the top on a new Japan pro wrestling show in his hometown of New York city. People will be like, what the fuck are you talking about? What does any of that mean? But, yeah, it's amazing Red is going to be teaming here with Tomiro Ishii and Hiroki Goto against Jay White, Chase Owens, and Gato. Uh, that could be another fun one. I think that's like a little bit of a sleeper match, even though it's very obviously Gato's getting pinned. Mm-hmm. And then the semifinal, uh, Kenta against Yoshihashi for the never open weight title. Um, I, I totally get if you're if, if your first reaction to this match is, who gives a fuck, I totally get it. The only defense I will make of this is, I liked how they leaned into the obvious issues with Yoshihashi as never title challenger, but basically they had him cut a promo at Kobe where he's like, cause Kenta went after him a lot during the match and seemed to like almost be trying to bait him into challenging for the never title. And they, they actually had Yoshihashi do a promo where he just says flat out. He's like, I know what you're doing. You're targeting me because you think it'll be an easy defense and easy way to extend your reign. But you know what? I'm doing it anyway. We're going to have this match, and I'm going to prove you wrong. So I think that's like, that was like just, it was a really cool promo. I'm not even doing it justice. And, you know, I thought one of Yoshi's 
best promos ever, maybe. So I definitely recommend going to YouTube and watching it. But like, it takes an amazing amount amount of like self awareness and like you know vulnerability that you don't normally see in a pro wrestler. Just come out and be like, I know you're targeting me because I suck, but I'm gonna prove it by not sucking. So that's kind of or prove you're wrong by not sucking. So yeah, I mean, I just thought that was a really cool promo. So maybe a little more excited for this match. And who knows? Maybe they'll go out there and have a banger. You know, you never know. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on Kenta and Yoshi? Like, that's you said that's the main event, right? No, semi-main. Oh, I'll get semi. Okay, if that was the main event, I'd be a little more worried. But since it's semi-main, I think they they could go out and have a good match. I've liked new like New Japan Kenta more than some people seem to, but me too. So we'll we'll see. And I. Yoshihashi doesn't bore me as much as some people either, so I don't know. It, it, I'm not. I can't say I'm excited for it, but I'm not like mad it's happening. Like some people are. Yeah, some, some people really seem angry. So uh, then the main event: Okada and Kota Ibushi against Evil and Sonata. I predicted this for New York main event like a month ago. Um, I'm gonna say, I don't know. It's just very. It, it's a. It's a really cool. It, it's a. It's a cool match. I think the some of the shine is off a little bit because they're doing it again on October seventh in Corican, which I wish they wouldn't do that because it almost means that like well whoever wins this, you know, it could just be a trading the two teams trading wins things, type thing. But I still think they could have a really good match here. Um, I assume like either Sonata will get like a flash pin on Okada to like remind you that he can win that way or maybe evil Penabushi or something. I don't know. But if, uh, you know, if, if Okada and Bushi here win here, I won't be shocked either just because maybe that way, then they'll have evil and Sonata win, you know, the Corkin match. Um, and maybe ha- try to have Okada to Bushi, like send the crowd home happy, but yeah, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. yeah uh, I think it'll be a good match, but I could, I could see either going, going either way. It's it's hard to tell since none of them should be getting beat, but it kind of have to pick somebody. Yeah, I don't know. And some of the, I will say some of the people complaining about this card because I see like some of them in the in the comments on the New Japan site. It's like look, it's it's a fucking it's a two thousand like less than two thousand seat venue. I don't know if if you really thought you were getting like fucking Dominion or something. I don't know what to tell you. Like this is. This really is not far below a destruction show. And this is basically like this is, you know, it's basically destruction and Beppu. And this is a destruction and Beppu sized venue. <laughs> so I don't know what's like really that surprising. I, I mean, I'm pretty, there's some cool stuff here that I'm excited to see. I'm sure it's going to be a fun time. Well, yeah, it's like we're, we'll, we'll get to Philly next, but people are really complaining about that card. And I'm like, you've seen what New Japan's brought here before outside of Dallas and MSG. They're not really gonna bring you like really huge matches. You're not gonna get like an IGB, uh, a main title defense or an IC title defense. They're they're gonna give you basically road not road two shows, but close well, other, enough. Philly basically is a road two show. Yeah, but the pretty much two, the other two are like, like probably like destruction and and like like I said, destruction and Beppu or like wrestling Hino Kuni level. Which given the venue sizes, they probably should be. So I don't know. It feels almost like Americans being like, well, how dare you not give us 
fucking king of pro wrestling in in a fucking fifteen hundred seat venue. I'm like, what do you want? They're not gonna do that, obviously. If you bought a ticket to the Hammerstein Ballroom thinking you were going to Wrestle Kingdom, I guess you were fucking disappointed. I don't know. Americans yeah, are very like, stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's like I bought tickets to see them. Like, period. I didn't buy tickets to see them in like huge matchups. I, I got. It you should know you're not going to get huge matchups generally. Yeah, I mean the expectation levels are just very out of whack. So I'm, I hope people. I'm sure the people are actually going will have a good time, but the complainers are like, just like, do you, it makes me feel like, do you watch New Japan? I don't know what else to tell you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very standard New Japan card. Uh, Philly, 2300 Arena on Sunday. Uh, Rocky Romero versus Clark Connors is the opener. Then Mikey Nichols versus Carl Fredericks. Alex Coughlin versus Lance Archer. Brendan Narita against Amazing Red. So definitely a lot of young line stuff here, but because mm-hmm. a lot of people are tied up at the main event, you kind of have to do that. Uh, Juice Robinson, Show and Yo against Naito, Sonata, and Shingo. That could be pretty fun, actually. Yeah. And the semifinal, Ibushi and TJP against Evil and Bushi. An interesting match. Yeah, we're getting uh, coming together of a former NXT tag team, TJP and Ibushi. Were they really an NXT tag team? Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. That. Yeah, I think it was like some tag team tournament back when Ibushi was still there for the CWC. Yeah, they teamed up for like a second. It might have been in like the Dusty Rhodes Classic, but I can't remember. But yeah, they teamed mm-hmm. together and I they dabbed apparently. I forgot about that, but I saw a picture of it and a little scarred from it, remembering it. Well, it shows you what I know. I have no idea. And then they made event the special elimination match, uh, a six on six elimination match: Tanahashi, Goto, Tomio Ishii, Yoshihashi, and the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. Against the Bullet Club of Jay White, Kenta, Tamatanga, Tongaloa, Chase Owens, and Gato. Uh, if you don't know what New Japan elimination rules entail, I hope they will explain this. It is over the top rope eliminations, so that means you can you can eliminate somebody by throwing them over the top rope to the floor. Uh, these matches are really fun live. If you've never seen them, I was lucky enough to see one at a Corican. Uh, way back in 2016 when I went to, on my very first trip to Japan. So I think the, the crowd will really get a kick out of this. I think, you know, especially if you go in uh, with an open mind. And, you know, you'll, it, these matches are rarely bad. Like, they're very rarely bad. So hopefully they, they do a good good enough job explaining the rules to people so they, they know that, like, over-the-top rope to the floor is elimination. But, yeah, I think this could be really fun. Yeah, I'm happy I'm getting the Rock and Roll Express in this environment rather than a strict tag. And Bullet Club's going to be over probably, so I don't really mind that they're just all shoved into one match instead of yeah. seeing like a, like multiple Bullet Club matches. I'd rather just get it all, out all the way. And is this the only show Jay's on? Uh, no, Jay's on all three nights. The only, okay. the, the only difference here is like Okada's not on the show. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm. It should should be three fun cards. I'm excited for Philly, and very excited for New York. So, and then we'll wrap this up here really quickly with the October seventh Cork. I'm not going to go match by match, but like I said, the main event is Okada, Ibushi, and Evil and Sonata. Uh, the semi main we're doing like a Hiroshi Tanahashi 20th anniversary match series. So it's Tanahashi, Honma, and Yoshihashi against Makabe, Yano, and Taguchi. And then for King of Pro Wrestling, which they finally announced the full card, I will do a more detailed preview of that in the coming weeks. But uh, worth noting that 
the El Desperado is making his comeback finally in the opening six man with Taguchi and Rapunky 3K against Desperado, Kanemaru, and Doki. Uh, Liger and Suzuki is happening here and Ibushi Evil along with the previously announced matches. So it uh, should be fun. We'll see, you know, where things go after that. But I expect Suzuki Liger will be like a non-finish or a non-match or something. And then they'll come back at Power Struggle or even the Dome. Mm-hmm. Do you feel any differently about that? Or no, I, I don't know what they're going to do, but I definitely think Liger Suzuki isn't going to happen. And they'll continue it probably to the Dome, at least the first night. Because his retirement match is on the 5th, I think. So they could still squeeze something in the 4th, do a Kishin match against Suzuki, and then do like a normal Liger match the 5th to actually do a send-off. Yeah, that's true. I, mean, I think it's a cool way to like send them off here instead of just being like a, you know, a, a slow goodbye tour. It's like this blood feud is <laughs> really cool. Yeah, I like that he's uh, actually has a story progression on his way out instead of just having big matches against people. Yeah. So that wrap up for New Japan at this point. So let's move on over to All Japan, and they did the seventh Odo tournament. Uh, I, there's no word when like spelled out. In you know, in Romaji, that I have more of a problem pronouncing in Japanese, maybe than Odo, because it, it looks like a word like you pronounce a certain word in Eng- a certain way in English, and it's not that like you, you think you're supposed to say like Ojo or something, <laughs> but like mm-hmm. it's obviously not Japanese, so it's very annoying. But yeah, I think I did that wrong last week. Odo, it's just like a long O and another long O at the end. Uh, the Odo tournament in. We already did the first round last week, so we're picking up with the second round and into the semifinals and finals. So we're only going to do the tournament matches here, but beginning with 9-18 in Shinkiba, first ring, we had Shuji Ishikawa against uh, Taishi Takazawa from 2AW. Shuji won in 13-57 with the Splash Mountain to move on to the semifinals. Uh, I thought this was awesome. Uh, Takizawa, like, really went after Shuji at the belt and, like, focused on his arm for a while. Shuji made, this, like, this great fiery comeback, and you know, they had, like, a really great back-and-forth exchange, ending with, like, this huge backdrop by Shuji. Um, and then Takizawa goes back to the arm, and, you know, there's really great drama for the arm bar after his work earlier, but Shuji makes the ropes. And then Takizawa hits, like, this huge, like, sit-out fire, fire thunder driver and a big variant. Or, you know, he takes it. I'm sorry. He takes a huge sit-out fire thunder driver and a big variant, but kicks out at one. And there's another great flurry from Shuji before he puts it away with the Splash Mountain. I'm in four and a quarter. I really like this. What do you think of Shuji and Takazawa? I went four. Really liked it. Basically the same points as you did, you had. I like them the going fast paced from the very beginning and Shuji kind of working from the bottom until the end. And I, I really like the closing stretch of it. But yeah, not much more to say than what you said. Uh, Kento Miyahara and Jiro Ikemen uh, Kurosio. That went 16.55 and Miyahara won the shutdown German suplex. You can start in this one since you're our Wrestle 1 guy here. Obviously, you have a lot of attachments to EK Man, I would assume. What did you think of this one? Uh, a lot of people were saying, like, not a lot of people, but I've seen people saying that this was EK Man's best match of the year. I'd put it up in his top three, maybe top five. I went four and a quarter. I'm going to have investment anyway because, I, like you said, I'm the wrestle one guy. Ikemen's my guy. 
for now until we'll we'll see what happens after this. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm gonna love him anyway, but any but I also love Kento. He's one of my favorite wrestlers this year and in general. But I think you said on the pod the last time you were talking about this tournament. It's really weird. This isn't isn't in a Corkin. Like yeah. you, you think they'd want to use Ikeman to pop a crowd because he's over. But they only they only ran Corkin like twice this tournament, didn't they? They only ran it once. Oh, it's only once. Yeah. But yeah, this match it started off hot. I loved Ikeman taunting Kento and like no selling his moves at first. Ikeman was selling really well when he got thrown into the post. I think it was like mid middle of the match. He like basically did a flip. That was really funny to me. And it looked yeah. like he like it looked it looked good. He was really selling for Kento. I love the reversal sequences that led into multiple pins for Ikemen. I liked Ikemen's like because you know everyone reverses the straight jacket German at first. I liked how Ikemen did it into a pin a, a roll up pin attempt. And it was later in the match. I liked that Kento was trying to block Ikemen kicking him, and then inevitably failed to do it. But I also liked that Ikemen went for double moonsaults and just kept failing and then eventually just lost. I don't know. It's hard to describe, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, do him play by play. But yeah, he did, Go ahead. Jacket, he did the jacket pin at the double moonsaults. I thought was I always mark out for the jacket pin. Mm-hmm. I was like, he's gonna pick Yahar with the jacket pose pin, but no, it didn't. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this I went I, again. I was like a quarter star higher than you. I'm four and a half. I thought it was awesome. Um, you know, I thought Jiro was just like you said, sold his ass off. Um, you know, I just by the time it was over, I just, it felt like he, you know, re- like took Kento to the limit. So I thought this was really, really good. Um, you know, any match where I just type this rules in all caps at one point yeah. notes is obviously a match I really loved. Uh, and I just Jiro just like Jiro manages to make a very silly spot, which is like those jacket like shots actually look cool. So that's not easy to do. <laughs> so mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, but yeah, just, I thought this was Jiro's best match of the year, probably, but I, you probably see more than me. So well, I'll say above this, I'd put both the Sasaki ladder match and the uh, Takashita title defense. Yeah, I think I saw both those. I think I like this better than both of those. But for sure, the ladder match. I think the Takashita one too. But this, I mean, those the ladder match. I I, I think is only like three and a half on. But the the Takashita match I liked a lot. I don't remember what I gave it though. Uh, then we had September twenty second at Osaka, Idiona Arena number two. Only did five hundred and sixty three fans, unfortunately. Uh, Jake Lee defeating Kai in seventeen twenty seven with the backdrop suplex. Um, I thought this started kind of slow, but then once Kai hit the dragon screw from the apron to the floor, uh, you know, it just uh, Jake Lee like crashed really hard. I thought that looked cool, and then Kai really like targeted the leg, leading into a figure four back in the ring, um, you know, which was a good spot. And then Jake Lee by the final, the really exciting closing stretch, and then with Lee winning with the backdrop. Um, but I can't really go higher than like three and a half because I just felt like they completely blew up all the leg work. So it w- I mean, it was a good match, but it wasn't like. Super blow away, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty much the same for me. I went, uh, I went three point seven five, just because of some of the character work in it. I liked Kai taunting the fans basically the entire match, especially at the beginning. 
and when they were doing the uh, leg holds, uh, I can't remember what part of the match it was, but Kai kind of realized, oh shit, Lee, Jake's really close, so he like um, crawled his way back to the middle of the rings to make sure Lee Jake couldn't grab the rope. And then I liked at the end, you said like they basically threw away the leg work. At the end, it was near the end, uh, Jake kind of couldn't go for the pin after I forgot, I forgot movie hit, but he couldn't go for the pin because he was just holding his knee. But yeah, it's like it was it was a good match, but not like stellar or anything. I mean, that is a good point. I I, I guess I either missed that or forgot to note it, but um, okay. So let's say the finals, the final night. The, oh no, I didn't do the other match yet. Naio Nomura <laughs> against Zeus. Uh, this one, this one, Zeus won in twenty two forty five. The Jackhammer. I was a little surprised. I kind of thought they were going to do, um, you know, Kento and Nomura again, maybe, but they decided to go to Kento Zeus. Um, this is. I thought this was really good. It was like a really good bomb throwing match. Uh, quite awesome. Both hit like a you know a ton of big moves you'd expect. It didn't maybe hold my attention as well as you want for tw- nearly twenty three minute match, but you know I still thought it was. That what what did hold my attention was really good, um, and there was like some really really great near falls towards the end, including on like a giant Zeus lariat um, right after the twenty minute mark before Zeus finally put him away at the jackhammer. I went four stars. I thought it was quite awesome, but just um, you know maybe a little bit below, you know, like super super high level, I guess. Yeah. I- pretty similar to you it didn't hold my attention that well but like nothing was bad about it and like at the beginning it sort of felt like they were stalling a bit just to like i don't know if it was to increase the length or anything but it felt really slow a lot of stuff on the outside but i still went like 3.75 so it's like it was a good it was a good match just didn't get to the next level yeah um and then as far as well, that's it for that show. Then September 23rd in Nagoya. Some good attendance news for once for All Japan. Um, this did 1,005 fans, super no vacancy. Uh, that's up from their last couple shows in Nagoya. They, the Champion Carnival only did 694. Uh, the Dream Power Series did 617 in March with a uh, all-Asian title match main event. So, you know, maybe that wasn't as big of a show, but still be- better than the Champion Carnival did. That's pretty good. So I think, you know... A good a good sign there for their attendance, given they've had some uh you know some some bad um, you know attendance numbers at first. Um, then, as far as the tournament matches here, we go with Kento Miyahara and the and Zeus in a which went eleven oh five for Kento won the Japanese leg roll clutch hold. Um, I thought this was a good match but you know it only went 11 minutes and it felt like they were both kind of saving themselves especially i mean kento saving himself in the main event but you know i still went three and a half it wasn't like a match i disliked or anything just you know definitely not like a kento's just big match show or a big show main event or anything yes yeah, so i went three and a half as well it was it was a nice little sprint you could tell kento was saving himself and like the only real note i have about this is that I really found it funny Kento and Zeus running like full speed up the stands to get to the or get to the wall to so Zeus could bang him in the head with on the wall. Like just the image of them running up the stairs was really funny to me. But other than that, it was, it was a good sprint. 
Yeah. Uh, then the other semifinal, Jake Lee beating Shuji Sakawa 9-16 via referee stop. Uh, this was like on its way to being pretty good, and then it just ended off that high kick that just did not look like it should be causing a referee stoppage. Uh, it just didn't look like much, so I don't know. I only went three stars. I think it could have definitely could have been a lot better. Yeah, I went three and a half on this too. And the same thing you said, like it, I feel like it could have gotten there, gave it a couple minutes and not end that weird way. Like Lee's cooks yeah. or Lee's, uh, Jake's kicks look really good sometimes, but other times they look really weak. And the one that landed the finish, it didn't look like it should have knocked him out. And that, yeah. that, that kind of hurt it for me. And then the the uh, Odo tournament final, Jake Lee beating Kento Mihar in twenty three fifty nine with the backdrop suplex. What do you think of this one, TJ? Uh, I liked it a lot. I liked their champion carnival final match a lot more, but I liked how momentum was swinging back and forth the entire match. Lee would force Kento to the like Lee Ken, for, uh, Jake forced Kento to the floor, and he got the upper hand for a little bit, but then Kento just took momentum back, started with a bunch of head butts, took control back. And Kento kept playing to the crowd the entire match, or at least especially at the beginning. He was just toying with Jake the entire time. Uh, near the middle, I like that Kento like went for the knee spam and Jake just dodged it and just did like that tapping his head, like that meme. It's like, oh, I know I know what you're going to do. Uh, they At one point, they were on the apron uh, I think Kento did it. He he did the suplex. Jake was on the apron and just suplexed him straight to the floor. That that was pretty crazy. And I like uh, Lee nearly got counted out at one point. And Kento was laying in wait. He knew he was going to get back in the ring. And as soon as Jake got back in, Kento hit him with a knee and then immediately suplexed him again. And... I'm not sure I like the finish. It goes a bunch of knee strikes into a backdrop, but just, if just taking it off the backdrop, I don't like that being a finish to be Kento. But closing stretch in general was pretty great, and I went four and a quarter on it. All right, well, this is like our big gap because I did not like this that much. I only went three and a quarter. Um, I just thought it was like really dull early on until they like finally went a little nuts at each other on the floor, and then like there was another like really, really dull stretch where like, I don't know. There's like a long Kento chin lock. I'm just like, what are we doing here? And the, it's the Odo finals do something. But you know, I, the closing stretch was good, but it, it wasn't like the super blow away closing stretch I was expecting. And then like, like you, I thought the finish was like very anticlimactic. Like that's how you beat Kento Miyahara. Yeah. This man who like basically cannot be pinned. He just gets hit with some knees and a backdrop, and he's pinned. I just thought that was like, I don't know. They've. I would have rather had Jake Lee pin him with a fucking cradle than do that. Like, because like mm. this, this finish just felt. It didn't feel like. It, it didn't feel like Kento. Like Kento was really beaten. It didn't make you feel like okay, Jake Lee beat him like the way he would beat him to win the triple crown from him. You know, it just felt mm. like Kento. Well, it's the Odo tournament. It's not the triple crown title match, so Kento can lose here. It just didn't feel earned. Like, I think if Jake Lee had, after all this, after how unbeatable Kento's been, he won the fucking champion carnival this year. I mean, when Marafuji won, beat him for the champion carnival last year, he had to practically fucking kill him before he pinned him finally. Mm-hmm. And here it just felt like 
it just felt like, well, it's time for Jake Tilly to win. So here we go. I just, I don't know. I didn't like this. I, I mean, I went, I, I still went three and a quarter on it. So it's not like I hated it, but like, I, I really think they could have done a better job with Jake Lee's big win here. I think they should have, you know, they should have had Kendra like kick out and Jake Lee like go nuts and like, I don't know, hit three straight backdrops or something. Mm-hmm. Like just really put the fucking X on it and be like, you have to murder this man to beat him. And Jake Lee fucking murdered him. This just felt like, why don't Jake Lee beat him? <laughs> like, that's that. So I don't know. It's time for Jake Lee to beat him. So he beat him. Yeah, I so, definitely think it needed to be know. more definitive. Like, maybe we'll get that. Yeah. Like, I don't think, well, I mean, well, I guess we'll find out, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think Jake Lee's going to beat him. But see, no, no, no. I, I don't think he is beating him either. And that makes it even more important that he, like, destroy him here. Yeah, exactly. Like, Kanto's going to beat him for the title match anyway. Jake Lee should fucking kill him here. He should have murdered this man with, like, three straight backdrops. I'm more and more convinced that should have been the finish. It should have been a fucking, like, d- complete destruction because you have to kill this man to pin him. Like, this was like, you know, I mean, he beat him, but it just, it did not feel, it, it felt like, well, he beat him here, but, you know, in the real match, the Triple Crown is on the line, that, that would have been good enough. So, I don't when know. it's like um, the title match that just happened with Nomura, Nomura got more, even more offense than Jake did here. Like, he, yeah. he, he got the upper handle on Kento a few times during that. So, I don't know. I just, I, I think it was a very badly booked match. I don't, I don't think it was like, you know, whoever, I mean, it could have been the two of them who camp with the finish or whatever, but like whoever camp with that finish, I think really needed to think harder about how hard it is to beat Kento Miyahara in 2019. And they really need to think harder about, you know, how to make Jake, like the goal here needs to be to make Jay Lee a star. They need Jake Lee to be a star. I, it's not as important, I guess, now that Nomura is really taking off. But I mean, all Japan still would like Jake Lee to be something, right? Mm-hmm. And I still think. I still think I, I might be the last person on earth who thinks this. I still think Jake Lee has something. I still think he has like a, some spark of potential, but like he needs to get around to showing a little bit more and they need to book him better. I mean, they've booked that, I think, is an undercover part of this year. They have booked Jake Lee like fucking shit. So I don't know. Like maybe they just don't have the confidence in him, in him anymore. But I thought this was like, I don't know. I just didn't think this was a good, a good Odo win for him. So. I mean, maybe maybe he destroys him to win the title. I just I doubt it. I think Kento. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts on the Odo? Uh, the Odo tournament to me, because last week we talked about the first round was disappointing. The second round was the highlight. Like the by far the best part of this tournament. If you if you listener haven't watched any of it, was that the second round all four of the matches were like the lowest I had was three and a half. The other three were all four better. So the second round was really really good. The first round was just like eh. And the semifinals and finals were again like very anime. So it was a weird tournament with the second round was really good stuff. Yeah, I feel the same way. Especially the nine eighteen. That was probably easily the best day of the tournament, at least for tournament matches with uh Ikeman and Kento and Ishikawa and Takizawa. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it then for all Japan, and we'll see where that goes from here. Let's quickly talk some stardom before we get into the questions. The World Wonder Ring. Um, so I, I'm, I got way, way behind on the, uh, on the stardom, and that's probably why you haven't heard a lot about the Five Star Grand Prix in the last few weeks. But we, I did watch the final, and I watched some other random matches, all involving Hanukkah Mura, actually. So I'm going to go through them by date here, the other matches I watched. 
September 14th at nighttime, I saw Mayu Iwatani, because these are afternoon and night shows, I should say. So the night show in Osaka, I saw Mayu Iwatani pin, or, or lose to Hanukkah, I should say. Um, this was, I thought this was good. Maybe maybe it was overhyped for me. I only went three and a half on it. But I just, it was a really good mix of like flying around and kicking each other's asses. I thought the highlight was the open, like the opening portion of the match where like Mayu had said during her pre-match comments that she was expecting Hana to attack her either as she entered the ring or during the announcements. So when she entered the ring, she had this like really hilarious look on her face where she like looked at Hana like, don't you fucking do it. Don't you fucking do it. I'm ready if you do it. And she just like stared at her the entire time during the entrance. So I thought that was really funny. Um, and then, and then Hana did attack her during the announcement anyway, but she was ready and like, you know, fought back and stuff. So that was, that was kind of cool. But yeah, I don't know. Did you have this higher? It seems like, I think most people had this higher than I did. Yeah, I went four on it. I didn't write a whole, I didn't really write much in about it, but it's like you said, I love that opening, like the pre-match and then the attack angle. It's like Mayu knew Hana was going to come after her and she did anyway, and it didn't really well, it paid off in the end, but it didn't pay off at first. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I kind of binge like all of, all of this at once almost, so I won't have much to say about a lot of them because they're gonna blend together a little bit. But other than the final, but yeah, uh, September sixteenth in the afternoon in Fukuoka, Hana Kimura against uh, Momo Watanabe. Okay. Before I talk about the actual match, I have to talk about this. Stardom fans have a little bit of reputation for being creepy. I think it's a little unfair. I went to a Stardom show. There were plenty of non-creepy fans there. But there were definitely also some creepy fans there. And one of them was on hard camera during this match. Because as after Hana made her entrance, this man, this, this, this man like pulls his shirt up and like starts scratching his belly like, right on camera, like, his exposed bare stomach just, like, scratched and rubbed it all over and right the camera right on him. I'm like, somebody need to tell this man, sir, you're on camera. We don't want to see you, like, scratching your gut, you know? It's just, like, that was not good. So, you know, that's not the that only man... time that happened, by the way. <laughs> you see uh, with the final? No, I didn't. What it was the final? Rossi did that. Oh, <laughs> He did that exact same thing. He even had like his hand down his pants, it looked like. It looked like this guy had his hand down his pants too. Maybe he's Rossi's fucking long lost brother. I didn't Jesus. even see it until I didn't see it at first until someone pointed it out on Twitter and I was like, oh God. I'm glad I didn't see that during I the match. I didn't see it either. I didn't see it either during the match, so you're not the only one. This what I saw during in Fukuoka. This man needs to calm down. Very gross. Um but yeah, so Hana and Momo, they started this. This match by screaming and kicking each other in the face, which is how every pro wrestling match would start. Uh, then they took turns absolutely beating the fucking shit out of each other on the mat with those forearms just like really going in there. Um, the, the, this is like where I, I made a little note. I, I tweeted this at the time too. Like the thing I love about Joshi is, you know, about really, I mean, Hanukkah in this match, especially, but a lot of Joshi wrestlers like they really just act like they're in a fucking fight, you know, in a way that not all wrestlers do anymore. Really. I would say not most wrestlers do anymore. And it's like face or heel. It doesn't matter. They kick you while you're down. They fucking scrape their boot against your face. They choke you in the corner and choke you in the ropes. They act like they're in a fucking fight and they're fighting 
not just to win, but to survive. And that's always, um, I mean, look, this is, I said this before, this is an idol promotion. Did you not have to do this? And they beat the shit out of each other. And, you know, because I, I guess because that's what they want to do, but they, they have like a certain level of like respect for their crafts, you know, and like they really go out there trying to have something that looks like a simulated fight, which God knows you're not getting that if you, you know, turn on the USA channel or even frankly watch a lot of New Japan matches, I mean, or all Japan. So it looks more like a simulated fight than a lot of wrestling does. Um, but yeah, this match was awesome. It was stiff as hell. Uh, they threw like total bombs for the finishing stretch, uh, and I went four stars on it. And this is where I saw the Tiger Lily, the missile dropkick, and the package file driver. I think for the first time, and she promised to win the five star with it, which did not come true. But Anna did win the five star anyway. But yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, I love the match too. I, I went four stars also. I love that Tiger Lily pile driver. Like she hits that really well and. With how she won, I think she hit it on this in this match too. Or, or maybe it was the Hazuki match I'm thinking about, but that octopus, like I think it's an like octopus hold. I'm really bad with moves sometimes. Mm-hmm. That, that whatever that submission is, like it looks brutal. She doesn't always win with it, but it's it looks painful putting people in it. Is it a Majigatame? I, th- I think that's the name. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway. anyway. It's it's really comparable to a wrestle one wrestler, uh, Daki and Abba. Like they both hit it in the same way, lock it in, like fall while they're hitting it in. It it looks painful. Yeah. I should say Juji got to me. That's what I said Bachi got to me. But I don't know if it is a Juji got to me or not, but looking at a a dialogue uh, like a diagram of it, but whatever. Um the September 22nd Corkin, the final night, I watched two matches. I watched Hazuki and Hana, which this again was awesome. Just a total fucking wild brawl. And again, they beat the piss out of each other with the forearms. Um, you know, and Hana won't the Lotus Flower. Just another ridiculously stiff, really fucking wild, uh, you know, Joshi match here. I went four stars on this as well. Yeah, I went four stars too. And same, like basically same points as you. It was great. It was a really good brawling and just really stiff once they were in the ring. And then the finals, which was Hana Kimura and, uh, <laughs> oh God, what I just, well, on Konami. Uh, do you think it was supposed to be Jungle Kiona? Maybe. I speculated. Like, I think either Konami or Jungle would make, would have made sense. Like, I originally predicted it was going to be Kagetsu and do a rematch of that from that red title belt defense last year. But once I, once we got to that point where it was going to be either Konami or Jamie because of how the points were. So I, I guess, I mean, I don't know. If it was going to be one of those two, I would have assumed it would have been Jamie. But I guess Konami is someone you can beat. Unfor- I'm sorry, Konami fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so Konami, you know, they're in the same unit. They're both in Tokyo Cyber Squad, but Konami, like, jumps her at the bell. It's like, how dare you? After all Hana did for you, which was mostly call you ugly, but <laughs> all that shit about her being plain Jane. Um, but, yeah, this was, uh, this was, you know, this was really awesome. Konami worked over her leg a lot because, you know, Hana had a big bandage there. Uh, I noted here that Hana's screams of pain are indistinguishable from her screams of rage because they just just screaming the entire match, whether she's screaming in pain or screaming in rage. 
her selling was fucking awesome here. Like at one point, Konami did a double stomp off the top on the leg, and I'm sure that hurt a lot anyway, so it probably helped. But she sold that like she was just shot in the leg. Like that, that was awesome. Um, and there's another point where Konami like transitions from an ankle lock into the leg trap German suplex like beautifully, like as beautiful of a transition as you'll see in a wrestling match this year. And then, you know, Hana just basically, Hana looks like she's done, but then she gets that submission out of nowhere, which I love that finish. It's just like, you know, no matter what you've gone through, it's, a, it's again, it's it's supposed to be a fight. Just like any um, MMA fight, you can catch someone with submission out of nowhere and beat them. And that's like what happened here. And, you know, Konami destroys her leg all match, but, but she just got caught. So, you know, I went four and a quarter. This was fucking awesome. Uh, not quite as good as the final last year, Utami and Mayu, but still a really awesome match. Yeah, I'll say I, I went four and a quarter too. Did you did you watch this unspoiled, right? No, I or was. Did spoiled, you actually? Okay, yeah. I I was I wasn't spoiled because thankfully I was, when I was watching this, the timeline worked out that they put up the finals as soon as I was done watching Kobe. So I basically put this right back on right on afterwards, and Konami came out first. And again, sorry Konami fans, but I saw she came out and she was the blue block winner. I was like, oh, well, who's gonna beat her? Like I I had no faith that Konami is gonna win this. It is really like it's interesting that Konami's in the finals for both of the major tournaments. I think that was one of the questions, so I'll deal with that later. But I, I knew Hana was gonna win the whole match, so it kind of took me out a little bit, but uh, Konami going so like right, like uh, relentless on Hana really helped the match a lot. Her like, like her working on Hana's leg the entire time. I like that. I'm kind of it's kind of interesting they did do a leg match for this for the finals to me, but they still they did it well and I love the finish like you said. Yeah. So overall, uh, do oh do you want to go through some other like just not review them but just like list some other five star matches you really like just in case listeners haven't seen them. Yeah, I'll uh, check out Arisa versus Utami, August 18th. Momo versus uh, Saki, 8.25. Konami versus Utami, 8.25. Uh, Mayu versus Tam, 9.7. Momo versus Tam, 9.1. Arisa, Konami, 9.1. Jungle, Natsuko, 9.7. Jungle, Kage, 2.98. Jamie, Konami, 9.14. And then all the Hana matches we already talked about. Yeah. And Hana, you know, this was like her big coming out party, and I think she was really great here. So. Yeah, her last stretch of matches were all really good. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what you want, you know? So, we cool it. Do you think she wins the red belt? Yeah. Like, I do. I'm going to say no. It just feels like some, the way they book. I think she's going to suffer at least one more big setback, and then maybe go for the white or something, but I don't know. Like, I think the red belt makes more sense for her. Just like, I haven't been following stardom for that long, but judging from like the feels of the belts, I think the red belt suits her more. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. You talked me into it. She's going to win. Uh, and then, so definitely check out the rest of the five star on stardom world. All right. Let's get into the questions. We actually have a whole bunch. So at P cakes, Midwest, Will Hiromu finally make an appearance after the Liger, Suzuki, or Junior match during King of Pro Wrestling? And he attaches a gif of Mr. Rogers putting on the cloud mask. 
Uh, yes. I'm just going to say yes. Why the fuck not? It's happening. Yeah, that's what I was kind of predicting, too. Bushi needs someone to team with for Tag League, for Junior Tag League. It's right after King of Pro Wrestling. Yeah. Like, they could bring someone back, or they could bring Kawado back or something, but either they're going to have Bushi just sit out that tour, which wouldn't make no sense because they need Junior Tag League, Junior Tag Teams for that, or Hiromu's coming back and they're going to ease him back in and challenge whoever has the junior title, I guess. Uh, at Alphonse0079, is there a ceiling for how good a young line match can be? Is there a match that stands above the rest? So I gave a young line match four stars in this tournament. It only happened once, but it was like very early on. Um, you know, so I guess that right now is my ceiling because I didn't go you know, higher than four or anything. But it was the uh, match between Alex Coughlin and Yota Suji all the way back on September 4th at Corrigan. I went four on that match. I just, I thought it was fucking awesome. So, you know, maybe that was like, maybe some people might even say that was an out-to-lunch rating, but I was in a good mood that morning, I guess. I don't know. They just chopped the shit out of each other and had a, it just felt like a such a great match. I'm like, I, I thought about it a lot, but I'm like, why shouldn't I just go four? I think I would go four if these were just two random guys. So, you know, why not? But, I mean, clearly they're going to have limits because, like, they can only do so much and only get so much time. And, you know, they're still a little greener. But maybe so maybe four is a limit. But I don't know. Yeah, so that match you're talking about, I went 3.75 on it. I really like that. But I also went four stars on a young line match during this. I went four stars on Uemura and Narita from Night 9. It was like right after Kagoshima. I make like, maybe the same as you. I was maybe just in a good mood that time when I was watching it, but I really enjoyed that match. Yeah. So I guess four is our answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, at Ant765, and this, uh, Tony, this is more a question for you since you saw a lot more of it. I need your standout and most disappointing from the five star. Uh, standout would probably. Like, would probably be either Konami or Hana. I think Konami was more consistent the entire tour, but Hana, that final stretch, was a lot better. And plus, Konami was in the last match, so that helps her too. But disappointing, like, I don't really know. I didn't really have anyone that outright disappointed me. Like, B didn't really have an exciting tournament for me, but I wasn't expecting her to. Like, I liked her match with Kaga, too. That was really good, but... And then Avery, I didn't really expect much out of her. She basically did what I expected her to. So I don't really have it most disappointing. Uh, at Bloody Sauce Day, who do you think are the next three World of Stardom champions going to be? Uh, he's really challenging there. Not just the next champion, the next three. Um, I think uh, I think Han is the next red belt or next champ. I'm going to say Momo beats her for it. Yeah. And, and then, either Utami or, or, or not Azumi, either Utami or Hazuki is going to beat Momo for it. All right. So write that one down. I guess we'll find out. Like, judging by how often starting those title changes, we'll find out in three and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> and does Hanakamura and Hanakamura, oh, I don't know. He, he Sorry, he worded this a little wrong. A little weird, I mean. I guess he means, will Hanakamura take Momo's place as ace, or 
before she even really gets there. I don't think Momo's going anywhere, buddy. I think they're going to be like competing aces, you know? Yeah, I think if Hana wins the red belt, she's not going to hold it for that long. I think Momo's going to take it from her. And I yeah, think Momo, Momo's the ace. Momo, yeah, Momo's the ace. That's who they're building. And yeah, they're going to be secondary people. But I think I'd almost put Hazuki above Hana in that, yeah, Hazuki. Uh, Hana just won the five star, but I think they see a lot in Hazuki as Momo's rival. Uh, Dylan Fox says, "What is the best inanimate object in Stardom? Hana's light up sword, Jungle's gun, Kagetsu's blade, Natsu's hat, or Pichan?" I-, I have to go with Pichan here. I love Pichan. I'm gonna go with the light up sword. Wow, traitor to Pichan. I do like that after the. Well, they were handing out the awards that uh, Tam put Pichan on top of the trophy. Yeah, that was so awesome. I love Tam. How can you not love Tam? Uh, Ice Age coming. Is Azumi the best 16-year-old wrestler ever? I don't. I, I would love to know who's better. <laughs> I can't think of anybody. Was, Junot Gamma didn't start under 18, did he? I okay. have no idea. So, I mean, look. Azumi's up there. If, if she's not the best... You know, she must be at least in like the top three. So, yeah, say so from uh, what I Tokyo, know, I'd go with her. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, she's so good already. I mean, look, she's better than Momo was at 16, and look at Momo now. So, I don't know. I mean, the sky seems like the limit for Azumi. Tokyo Cyber Alex, thoughts on this BJB team that they set up? So, they're going to, there's going to be, for people who don't know, there's going to be a cross unit, Queen's Quest, and uh, Oedo Tai team for the upcoming Tag League. What do you think about this? Uh, I'm not really sure. Like, <laughs> and maybe it'll make the draft a little in- more interesting whenever they do that next year if they decide to do it again. But as far as like what's happening now, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they go through the thing, they lose the finals or something like that. Jamie goes ape shit and like attacks B and challenges her if B stole the champion, but I don't know what they're going where they're going with this. Jamie's really good. B is B's gotten better, but I don't I still don't think she's good as Jamie. So maybe as a team they'll be great though. Who knows? Yeah. Like, too big form. If I have to watch Jamie or watch B be in this, I think Jamie's a good partner for her. Especially if Jamie's in it more. Like I don't know. I'm not gonna be Start hating on B right now, but I, some people really hate B, and I think you're one of them. But I don't, I don't really hate B that much. I don't. Like, I, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm not. I'm indifferent to her. Like she's fine. She, I don't think she has really bad matches anymore. She's a lot better than she used to be. But it's yeah. just like I can't, I can't get into her matches. I don't know. I mean, look, I what I will say for B is she, seeing her on the AEW show was like fucking eye opening. And that that ta- that like uh, pre-show tag match, I guess it like fight for the fallen, because it's like wow, this girl who looks like sometimes looks incompetent in stardom, looks like the fucking best wrestler they have in mm-hmm. AEW, which I guess just speaks to the, the standard in stardom. Um, at Seth Plot, uh, he said, "I felt I feel as if the Kenta Yoshihashi match for the Never Belt is under the radar candidate." For match of the FSU tour. Uh, Kenta's Kenta and Minza Sai Yoshi's really good work. Who steps in one of my matches with great talent. 
thoughts. I, we, I think we kind of covered this already, but I, I basically said the same thing. I said I think Kenta and Yoshihashi can be a really good match if they, you know, they both have their working boots on that night. Yeah, I mean, it's like really the most important thing on the card or on the on the tour other than like the heavyweight title match. And I think that'll be good. But I think Kenta and Yoshihashi has a higher ceiling. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. At Mato underscore Soto, would you agree with Arisa Hoshiki as most improved wrestler of 2019 and candidate of Joshi MVP? Um, most improved, probably. I, I mean, I, she was not someone I was that into before this year. She's been awesome. I don't know about Joshi MVP. That seems a little too far. Yeah, like, I, I can't speak too much on the most improved because I wasn't following Sardom a lot when she first came back, but she's definitely up there for, like, the Joshi I've liked the most this year, but I like Momo better this year so far. I've liked Maya Yukihi a lot this year. So, I don't know. I'd, I'd probably pick, if I was going for Joshi MVP, I'd go either Momo or Maya. I would say Sari or Momo or maybe even like a recent Nakajima and Seedling, although I need to see more of her recent stuff, but the stuff I saw was really good. Uh, oh, no, then, I've, I've, I've gone. Yeah. Oh, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, I also liked uh, Julia a lot this year in Ice Ribbon. Mm. Yeah, I don't watch Ice Ribbon, so I can't, that I can't speak to. Uh, it's one of the portions I always feel like I should watch and then just never, somehow never get around to it. And then he, he had one of the questions here. He said, do you think... Not want Naito. Uh, do you think Naito will win the IWGP title? Or will he get Nakamura and stay in that place? <laughs> I think he's winning at the dome. I feel I feel stupid saying it, sort of, because it's fucking Naito and it's fucking Gato, and I'm always gonna feel like I'm gonna get Gatoed. But no, I think he's winning at the dome. I again, it feels like the famous last words, but I. I mean, look, we didn't mention this. He had this article in Tokyo Sports where they may as well have been saying with like a fucking flashing red banner, he's the story. He's going to win. Because they're like, they had his dad there. They, they People don't know. They run like, um, they run these stories in Tokyo Sports that are angles, basically. Like they run storylines story in Tokyo Sports. It's one of the ways New Japan, you know, does their storylines. It's, it's weird, but that's what they do. So this story... Was like Naito and the dad at like at like a family restaurant with this reporter, um, and you know the dad is like, uh, "Son, you have to take better care of your body. You're falling apart. You're pushing yourself too hard trying to win these double titles. And now you don't even have one. You know you need to think about your life after wrestling." And Naito is like, you know, being like, "Oh, I I, I don't know, Dad." And it's like, come on, it's setting Naito up for the big redemption story now. His own father is telling him to quit. He's saying, he, I don't know if you can do it anymore. And he has to, like, fucking, you know, come all the way back and win both belts in two nights. It just it feels too perfect. But I don't, I don't know. Maybe maybe we're all being worked again. Maybe Gato is setting us all up again. But the best part of that story, by the way, is so the dad, the dad says to Naito, like, you know, there's life after retirement, son, or something like that. And Naito's like, no, this is a private matter. And, like, sends a reporter away. And the reporter comes back, and Naito and the dad are gone, and the check is there. So the dad was in on it. The dad was in on the dine and dash. Even Tetsuya Naito's father is a dine and dasher. So that was really funny. I don't know. Do you feel differently from me? 
I think it's happening, but I won't believe it until I see it. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Uh, at Joshi is lit. For all Japan, he says, who between Nomura and Lee should beat Miyahara and when? I think Nomura should beat him, and I think Nomura will beat him, but I think it should be... I don't know. I think they should just let Kento beat the Kawada record. Why not, Why not at this point? Yeah, I, I think... I think Lee is going to do it, but I think that Nomura should. But I think, you're like you said, I think he's going to beat the record, and then whoever wins Champions Carnival next year is going to beat him. And then who, the other question was, what do you think of Konami reaching the final of the five-star and the Cinderella tournament this year? I mean, I think it's awesome. She rules. I don't know. I, I think it tells you that they trust her enough to be able to deliver in these final matches to help get people over. Like, I think that match with Arisa in the Cinderella tournament was really great. And obviously, we already talked about the Hana match. I think both of them did well in that match, like, did really great in that match. So I think... That's a good spot for her. I don't know if she's ever going to win like a big singles title, but she's a good person to have to help get other people over. And I think them using her that way just shows they trust her. See, I think they're going to give her a big win at some point. I think she's almost like the start of, not the start of Naito, but like the start of Goto or something. Yeah, that's what, that's what I, I was thinking in my head, that she's comparable to Goto. I think she'll get the white belt at some point. I could be wrong. I just feel like she's going to get the white belt. Is she signed to stardom yet? Or yeah, no? Oh, she oh, she's still with that, that like independent. Maybe she's still with like, that that technically independent like produce company, but she doesn't do any other dates anyway. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then Guy Yeager says, "Why El Phantasmo? That's it. Just why? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's okay for what he does, I guess." Um, just not not my favorite wrestler either. And he says, also, will the ballad of Jake Lee finally have a good ending now, or has his time passed? Well, I think TJ just said he thinks Jake Lee's going to win the title. Uh, I don't know if he will or not. I think his time may have passed, but we'll see, I guess. Yeah, I, 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 I think his time has passed, but I don't know if the company thinks that. Like, I think him being in the Champion Carnival Final this year, losing, winning... Odell probably losing tells you that they're so committed to him, even though Nomura has gotten like multiple title shots outshined Jake. It feels like I still feel like they're more in line with Jake than Nomura right now. We'll find out. Maybe they just have Kento come out and like squash him, but I don't know. It feels like they haven't given Uh, up on Jake yet. Yeah. Liam D McCann says, who do you view as some of the biggest wastes of potential right now? Ayato Yoshida is one for me. After this Odo final, Jake Lee is a clear guy who won't meet his potential, sadly. Any other obvious examples? What do you think about this one? Um, I think about this two ways. Whether wasted potential from the company not using them or wasted potential of the wrestler having potential themselves and not utilizing it. As far as the company not utilizing someone with potential... I think they I think Russell One failed Ikemen a lot. Like I think they should have given him a title run. I don't think it would have been like crazy. Like I, I would have just gave him the title, have him hold it for like a couple months and then drop it. But with how over he was and still is, I think they should have ran with him for a little bit. But as far as um 
a wrestler not living up to their own potential. I'm not. I'm. I'm not really sure. Yeah, um, I can't think of anybody right at the top of my head either. It's a tough question. I can give an example of the booking one while you think of a wrestler one. I think, uh, you know, I totally got why they didn't do this, but I'm gonna go all the way back to Dragon Gate and after Nuriki Doi, um, you know, got kicked out of I think for Zerk at that point. I, he was just like such a hot baby face and the crowds were so into him and they really could have gone with him as a champion, but they'd never put the dream gate on him and they, they had Yamato beat him. And I think the big reason why is because his last dream gate run, he, his big long dream gate run was kind of a flop, but like he was such a hot baby face at that time. And Yamato's title ring was like floundering. I still think, I think it's one of the all time booking mistakes not to go with Doi at least for like, six months or something and like give it a chance or you take the butt off 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 of them after like three months if he cools off really quick but it just it felt like such a missed opportunity to me as far as like you know again wasted potential to have a big run um trying to think of somebody who like wasted their own potential it's a tough question i mean people used to think yujiro takahashi was going to be a big star i know that sounds insane but i remember like when Eugenio was a young lion, um, you know, and I, I always trot this out as an example of how you can't really tell from young lions, like the, that Stewart guy that ran uh, like strong style spirit, which was like the big new Japan fan site at the time, like pretty much the only new Japan fan site. He was like obsessed with Eugenio. Like you would just get like nothing but Eugenio, Eugenio, Eugenio from him, especially if you went like on the message boards and stuff, like he loved Eugenio and, that was not a minority opinion at the time. Like he was considered like a can't miss blue chip prospect. And, you know, look what happened to you, Jiro, you know, um, obviously the career didn't turn out that way. So, you know, I think of that one right away, like it, there was clearly something there and people I think saw something there in him and he just never really put it together as a singles guy, you know, and we talked a little bit, I talked a little bit, a little bit about him uh, in the preview for the last, like, um, you know, the last destruction show, whatever, where he was like teaming up I get with White against Naito. And like Naito never even got his revenge on him because, you know, Yujiro ended up with like a, a winning record against Naito in singles matches after Team No Limit split up because, you know, the Yujiro beat him in that G1 in 2014. I want to say it was the last meeting. And then, you know, Naito, by the time Naito was like really going, and like really a, a big star with LIJ and everything, Yujiro was already like firmly like low card and just never got back into another G1 after I think 2015. So obviously you see where his career is now. He's like near the bottom of the New Japan totem pole. So that's a very obvious one to me at least. Um, I got a weird one. Yeah. It's not necessarily because they, they're living up to the potential now, but before they didn't, I guess. I don't have a whole lot of knowledge about dragon gate but t-hawk is an example of this i think at least during oh, his yeah. dragon gate run yeah like i didn't watch any of his was dra- a big problem too. okay yeah say because i didn't watch sorry. any of his dragon gate yeah. stuff really but up until like he left and strong hearts became a thing but i'm just watching him last year and especially this year it's just like how is he not a bigger thing than he was like he's one of my favorite wrestlers this year like i don't i don't know how dragon gate failed him or he failed Dragon Gate, or however it went down. I'm not sure because I didn't watch it, but like I'm happy he's living up to it now. But it's just I don't know. 
I realized, by the way, during that last part that we've had like a weird audio delay. So I think that happened to the flagship too last week, but I want to apologize to the listener if there's like any weird parts where we're talking over each other or something. But I think we do have, I don't know how it's going to sound on the actual file. But yeah, T-Hawk, I, that's a great example too. He never really lived up to his potential in Dragon Gate. And like I said, I think booking was a huge part of the problem. Um, yeah, it's hard for me to think of any other really obvious ones because um, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could say like 99% of the WWE roster in the past like 15 years, but, you know, it seems like a boring pick. Yeah, like you know, I, I, I thought could, about some people from that and I was like, that's more booking than anything with that. Like, yeah, it's just it's, like nobody, nobody lives, lives up to the potential there because oh, you could say everybody lives up to the potential there because their potential at WWE is to be a cog in the endless machine. So, like, of course, you're never going to get any, like, you know, unless your name is Brock Lesnar, you're never going to really get over. Yeah. Star. Um, yeah, I don't know. I can't think anybody else really. There's probably somebody really obvious I'm not thinking of. I guess people thought Goto would be out of GP champion by now, but, you know, like, it doesn't happen for everybody. Um yeah, I don't know. There's nobody. I guess you could say Kushida yeah. if you want to talk about his heavyweight potential, but that's yeah. I never thought about that. I always thought he was too tiny. Um, you know, just a little bit too small to be an effective heavyweight. Mm-hmm. I know that's not always a popular take, but um, I mean, I think he could have been a heavyweight. They could have, they easily could have made him a heavyweight and had him had compelling matches, and the fans would have been fine with it. But I don't think he was ever going to be a headliner as a heavyweight. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, there's, there's other, there's. I mean, I guess, I guess when when he first broke out, um, people probably thought like Maybach Tanaguchi was going to be a bigger deal than he ended up being, because he was like this, you know, just, like Noah was already kind of at a lull and like on their way, really on their way down, and then like this guy deep using, he's like, oh, look at this big dude, you know, he's got a cool, kind of cool gimmick, and but we didn't realize, I guess, that he was already really old when he started. And he just never really improved. So I think it became quick, clear pretty quick. I guess it's more more of a case like he didn't have as much potential as it looked at first. So, but yeah, it's a cool question, Liam. Thanks for sending that one in. Um, at Ice Age coming again, which is, if I may have a second question, all Japan's normal booking, to be fair, is a wee bit dull. If you were to book another Miyahara title defense that might liven them up slightly from any realistic source, then who would you bring in? Why don't you go first, TJ? Who would you bring in for a unrealistic Kento Miyahara title challenge? Um, I'd say either Shotaro Ashino from Wrestle One, or that's a great one. I'd like to see Nakajima again, but that just part of that's just because their history from uh, Noah. Yeah, but I think it would be a good match anyway. But yeah, those two would probably be my picks. Yeah, I mean, Nakajima would be, definitely be one of my picks for sure. If it's not even like super unrealistic, if, if they get ever get strong hearts, him and T Hawk would probably have a really good match. Yeah, I really like to see that. Um, I don't know who else. Maybe, maybe if they bring in like Takashita from DDT, they could have like the endless kickout battle where they yeah. both like the aces that refuse to die. That might, that would really be something. Um, I mean, fuck, maybe they could bring in, we're getting unrealistic, but still like he takes Japan dates. Kento versus Kenny battle of the knee strikes. So, I mean, that would be something at least. 
if we want to go full galaxy brain on this, I'd love to see him versus Andrade. Yeah, I mean that to me is almost getting too unrealistic. But yeah, <laughs> if Andrade got cut, Andrade got cut tomorrow or something, then yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, and then finally, uh, Lear. I'm sorry, this is the one name I was really bad with. Lear Papazmomidov. <laughs> Very sorry, sir. If it's up to you, who is the new, next Triple Crown champion and the next GHC champion? Uh, Triple Crown, I would just do no more. I don't. I don't think there's any real reason to get Galaxy Brain about this. I just think Nomura is the guy. Who would you do? Yeah, I'd go with Nomura too. And then GHC is interesting. I think... Do you think Keno's going to win? No. I don't think so either. So... I thought I, he might have, but then they debuted that new belt, and I was like, no, they're keeping that on uh, Kaito to, with that new belt. I don't think Keno. I don't think Keno is winning. I, I don't know. There's no one. Obviously, I mean, I guess if I'm fancy booking, I'm going to go with the one that's going to get tomatoes thrown at me from a certain segment of the audience. Hideki Suzuki, GHC Heavyweight Champion. <laughs> Give me the Hideki title run. Yeah, I, I mean Suzuki's a good child. I, I wish he was in N one. I was excited for that p- possibility, but. If you want to have him, him win the belt, just go rough shot on the division, like basically what Sugiura did, and then have Kaito overcome him in the end. That'd be neat. But as far as more realistic stuff, I I could see Nakajima winning or Keno eventually, just not now. Yeah. All right. So, TJ, go ahead. Why don't you give us some plugs? Uh, only plugs I really got is uh, Watch Wrestle One. It's my one of my favorite promotions. It's that's my corner of Twitter, I guess. Uh, check out my pin tweet. It has a Wrestle One in review this year up till July, I think. I don't know if I put August in, but yeah, check that out. Oh, and my Twitter is at aspir underscore. And find all the rest of one content you there want there. And if you decide to check it out, you can ask me any questions. I'm willing to help anyone out watching it. And check out the Wrestle One English Twitter account. It is W one underscore ENG, I think. Let me, let me double check that. <laughs> Don't know your own Twitter account. <laughs> it happens, I guess. Yeah, it's W1 underscore ENG. And there you can find promos translated from at least the major shows, especially major shows. I try and do other stuff, but life happens. And yeah, but yeah, check that WordPress account out. Has all that, has profiles for everyone, match recommendations through 2018, 2019, and then random stuff from before then. And yeah, it's. That's about it. Now, now, as you notice, since I keep having TJ on here to talk about anything but Wrestle One, I'm not really watching Wrestle One lately. But <laughs> hopefully, someday, I get to do that again. I was watching, but like no one else is watching it. And I guess like a few people watch it now since the the Strongheart showed mm. up. But I just I probably far behind, never caught up. Yes, yeah, so. it's been pretty exciting since they showed up. And part of them showing up is why I started that account. 
like I've been following it for a couple of years now, yeah. but it wasn't until then I decided it's like there's English for everything else. I'll give my shot. I'll try this out. <laughs> but it's been nice keeping a more focused eye on the promotion. It's helped me enjoy it more, especially actually reading the promos on like just watching the shows. Right. All right, folks. Thank you as always for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Wrestle Omakase, Wrestling Would Not Fit. Next week. Uh, so I'm going to be doing a episode with my buddy Quinlan on the New Japan shows in New York and Philly. I think we're going to record that Monday, actually, after um, I, you know, after we get back and, you know, do it that way because I don't know what else we record it for those two, attending those two shows. Um, the only thing I'm going to try, I'm thinking I'm trying as an experiment. I've never tried to do solo audio before. I'm going to try to do solo audio on the NOAA N1 Victory Final from Osaka and the DDT Corkin, which are both, the NOAA M1 Final just happened already and just aired, and the DDT show, um, you know, the DDT Corkins this weekend, because, you know, Quinlan's my guest. I already said he could be on to talk the New Japan shows we're going to, but he hasn't really watched either of those promotions. So I'm going to try to do that. We'll see how that goes, recording solo audio for both those shows. If I don't, If I hate it and I don't like it, I might just not include it in the episode and I might just do the, uh, just the new Japan with Quinlan, but we'll say, uh, in the meantime, like I said, follow us on Twitter. Uh, if you're going to be in New York this Saturday, I'll be at pioneers for the super J cast last Omakase meetup. Uh, again, that's God. I should have wrote, I should have kept that open. I think I said 29th street. Uh, so that should be, you know, right over by, um, you know, Pipeline Station, like between 6th and 7th. So Pioneer's Bar. Just look up Pioneer's Bar. You probably have Google Maps if you listen to this. And then the Sunday show, I'll be at the Jcast meetup at, uh, God, Old Man Tolls, I think it's called. So, yeah, yes, the uh, Old Man, oh, Toll Man Joe's. There you go. 26 East Oregon Avenue. So that'll be Sunday at noon and Saturday at 3 if you're around and want to say hi. Uh, definitely come hang out. Um, but yeah, other than that, I guess we will see you next time. Thank you as always for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>